Welcome to Visionaries Global Media, your number one source for podcasting entertainment. Visionaries Global Media, envisioning excellence on a global scale. This is Band from Ringside. Tonight on the Band from Ringside podcast, we have your extreme rules predictions. Sammy Guevara and Andrade get in a backstage altercation. Uh, you know, some other stuff to happen. We'll talk about some other stuff and then some other stuff too. That and a whole bunch more tonight on the Band from Ringside podcast. I just I couldn't sell it. Well, heart, n- yeah, nice tease there. Way to keep everybody. My heart wasn't in yeah, it. Yeah, way to, way to reel everybody uh, in. I'll get back. This is that 9 to 5. It's time to feel alive. Hello, Mark. Welcome to the Band from Ringside podcast. I am your host, as always, Bill Vagie, a.k.a. Hunter Thirst Helmsley. <laughs> and sitting directly across from me. We have Jason Cornelius <laughs> Bell. What's going on, Jason? <laughs> oh, that's, that's, that's good. <laughs> Shout out to Bo. Good shit. Uh, before I get started, um, check out my boy, uh, my Gordon Russell Savior Hot Five Time Midwest Roundup coming up with uh, Joey O'Farrell getting ready to promote the Dust versus Dawn uh, the show that he's going to have on the 22nd of October at Pops. So if you haven't got your tickets, get your tickets. If you have got your tickets, check out Joey on the pod, Midwest Roundup. If you haven't gotten your tickets, let Joey sell you better than Bill sold you on the start of the show. And on that lovely note, I'll ask the congregation to bow their heads as I read from the latest edition of the Band from Ringside Podcast, Volume 277, Chapter 3, Verse 14. And the good smart saith, hashtag boo the heels. It's all good, baby. Listen, share, subscribe, repeat the holy trinity of BFR. I love this time of the year, sports-wise, because everything is like coming into like you know one little clump but the cherry on top professional wrestling let's talk some shit and out there in portland oregon we have two beers zach pullman what's going on two beer bfr what's oh, man i got my weed pen over here complaining that i hit it too hard i said catch me a dynamite wednesday backstage bitch <laughs> we are coming at you from <laughs> Beautiful St. Charles, Missouri. It is today is October the sixth of two thousand twenty-two. Like I said, we got your extreme rule predictions. There's not, you know, it feels like all this news happened in one week, and then the last couple weeks have been calm. You know what? I could use a couple calm weeks. I don't need a fucking work shoot every fucking week. Um, before we get too far into it, I also am going to promote uh, from dusk till dawn the. October 22nd show live at Pops Nightclub put on by our good friend Joey O'Farrell, for the fourth member, our fifth member. Well, I don't know. He's one of the members of BFR. He's the fourth. Uh, this as we got Aaron Williams versus Ethan Price, MJ Jenkins versus 2D Lynn, da- Davey Vega versus Mike Outlaw should be a banger. Yep. Mysterious Q versus Camaro Jackson, the West Coast Wrecking Crew versus the No Remorse Corps, which is Rocky Romero and um, fuck. I can't, I think, what, what is that guy's name? Davey Richards. Davey Richards, thank you. And we also have a Texas death match with Thomas Shire versus Gary J. Mm. I'm going to tell you this right now, guys, that the last show that Joey put on was Wrestling at the Grandel, and it delivered in ways uh, over and above how great I thought I didn't want to say over-deliver, but it, to a certain degree it did. Well, I mean, I had realistic expectations. It was fucking fantastic. Yeah. I've been to Pop's. <laughs> More times than I care to admit, uh, it's going to be a great place to see a wrestling show. Um, 
This is going to be a professional-looking event. This is going to be, well, it's going to be a professional event. I should say it's going to be a major-looking event. This is going to be badass. The production value that they put into this show uh, is as good as you're going to see on the local level. Agreed. So uh, I am excited to be there. I should also say that it is hosted by Clownvis Presley. Now, if you don't know who Clownvis Presley is, uh, he is a Elvis Presley impersonator who is dressed like a clown, and he's also a stand-up comedian. He is fucking hilarious. Interesting. He's more entertaining than Doink. Way more. Um, I mean, that's a pretty low I will tell you guys, I have watched the YouTube clip of Clownvis Presley on America's Got Talent, I don't know, upwards of 30, 35 times. Damn. I mean, probably 20 of them alone were just with Jack Stevens. Because <laughs> we thought it was so funny because Pierce Morgan, Howie Mandel, and Sharon Osbourne start going after him, and he starts coming right back. Ooh. And it is, he starts, he tells Sharon Osbourne that maybe she's got a contact high from living with Ozzy all those years, mm. and Sharon goes, nobody talks about my husband like that. And the whole place starts booing him, and he looks out to the crowd, and he goes, what, the Prince of, Dar- Prince of Darkness is off limits? <laughs> it's one of the funniest things. <laughs> it's, one, it's, one, it's one of the funniest things you'll ever see. I don't blame him back, dude. What the fuck? I mean, he bit the head off the bat. Now, all of a sudden, we can't talk about the shit. You guys really like Howie Mandel? Are you just doing what you're told? Right. It's fucking... It is outrageous. Can't recommend it enough. Anyway, he's going to be hosting, and uh, he, he's a riot. He's uh, St. Louis homegrown. So. How much are tickets, and when is the show? The show is October 22nd. It pops. Uh, tickets are 20 to $35. Doors at 6, show at 7. Can't recommend it enough. It's going to be a blast. And uh, Jason Will and I all will... three be there? Oh, yeah. Zach's going to be in town. Be in town. Yep. That's right. Okay. Yep. Yep. All right. Without further ado, let's get to that three count. One, two, three. JCB, kick us off. Dealer's choice. Dealer's choice. Uh, I love Zach, so I'll just do what I normally do. Let's talk about a little WWE before we uh, break down the uh, the Extreme Rules card on Saturday night. It's so still so weird for me to say Saturday night instead of Sundays for WWE pay-per-view slash premium live events. Um, just looking at both sides of Raw and SmackDown, Nothing really jumped out at me per se. Um, let's oh, just go ahead. I got something that jumped out at me. Talk about it. Uh, maximum male models uh, were very uh, funny. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> See that, that, that like I said, it jumped looked- out to me. <laughs> I'm, just I'm, I'm just kidding. No, I'll, look. If if that means we get L.A. Night, so be it. But it feels like it's like we're getting LA yeah. It just feels like maybe. You know, a few weeks too late, neither here nor there. Let's just break down the, the SmackDown card really quick. Maybe something will jump out at me that didn't uh, come off the top. Open the show with SmackDown. You had Solo Sokoa and Sami Zayn versus, uh, I'm going to call him Riddick Moss. I can't call him Mad Cat Moss. I just can't. And Ricochet to open the show. Really good ma- tag team match. Once again, problems with the bloodline between Jay and Sammy. I think that's going to be the running theme moving forward, ultimately going to cost Sammy Zayn his spot in the bloodline. But hopefully, like I said last week, it's just way down the line. Kieran Cross had a pretty good um, vignette. Uh, Austin Theory backstage, blah, blah, blah. Um, shit, who, what was this next match? 
I can't even read my own hand right. Drew McIntyre versus Austin Theory. Um, kind of more of a setup for what's going to happen on Saturday with Drew versus Karrion Cross with the uh, the strap match that ended up coming into play post-match where you had uh, Drew land literally the SmackDown on Austin Theory. Uh, Maximum L. Miles, Shotzi, two promos, Los Lothorios versus Hit Rogue. Okay, we can stop here for 30 seconds. Um, I was a little excited for Hit Row to come back. It, it still, you know, felt a little weird not having Swerve around as the the lead guy. It feels still now they're they're missing the lead guy, even though it's more of a group and they they're trying to make it more of a a group thing. It feels trying to make it a more of a New Day feel. New Day doesn't really feel like they have a leader. It's just you know three equal guys that just do three things differently. Hit Row misses, in my opinion, Swerve. They miss their front man leader. I don't think they're all good slash great with their own individual attributes, positive attributes, to overcome the fact that Swerve is not there. Zach, what do you think? Yeah, they're a fine act, but none of them have like that uh, real standout uh, thing I think maybe they're kind of having Top Dollar be that guy, and he's definitely got the confidence that he thinks he is really <laughs> awesome, and he's good, but I feel like he thinks he's really awesome. Um, but I don't know they're they're a fine act, but they definitely are not the act that they are with Swerve for sure. I don't care about them. I mean. That like they they're gonna have well to talking. they're gonna have to be no they're gonna have to be involved in something or they're gonna have to show me something more than they're doing right now like they are just I mean I guess my point with this was outside they're, they're of not the they're not the maximum male models and I didn't like them making fun of the maximum male models <laughs> outside of the I actually uh, like maximum male models more <laughs> God damn don't encourage this motherfucker At least they have a thing I guess my point with this is stopping here is that uh, we've lauded Triple H for a lot of things that he's done since he's taken control of WWE creative. It feels like, at least to me, the tag team division is basically the same. Not much has changed. You still have... I'll take that back. Brawling Brutes have kind of come up the ranks where now they feel like they're like that fourth team. They're replacing the Viking Raiders. And instead of Viking Raiders, you have the Brawling Brutes. But you still have that core group of tag teams still there. Alpha Academy, probably the fourth team. Obviously, New Day, um, Street Profits, and then the fourth team, to me, would be the Brawling Brutes. Outside right. of that, that nobody- has to do with like the Usos just having both belts forever, though. <laughs> uh, it does suck, just like it always has as far as like tag teams. I don't know that he'll make that better, but they... It, I feel like they have a hard time creating meaningful feuds not around championships or whenever it's just like one team holding both belts and there's like an absolute vacuum um, there. Not giving him like, uh, I'm not defending it or anything. I'm just saying I think that's one reason why. Alpha Academy's getting a lot of TV time. They which are. Is, which is good. They are. They are, making, yeah. they are making the most of it also. I can't say Hit Row's making the most of it. Not completely fair. I, I have no argument with that, and I'll just say, just I'll defend the Usos or or the 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 decision to unifying the tag titles. I'd rather them do that versus unifying the singles titles. I think there's enough singles competitors to run around where you could have two world champions 
there's just not enough tag teams running around where you can have two tag team champions. All right. What's uh, what's next? Um, Ronda Rousey backstage uh, with a, a promo, you know, basically saying she's going to whoop uh, Liv's ass. Then flip to the next match where you have Natty versus Ronda Rousey. Ronda Rousey wins by submission. I just, I don't know. It just always feels weird to me that Natty is, you know, advertised as, you know, one of the last of the heart dungeons and then just easily just gets submitted by Ronda. And I'm I even I'm not even mad that she gets tapped out. It's just easy. It's not much resistance to it. So if you're gonna sit up here and harp about the heart the heart dungeon and how great the heart dungeon, you know, graduates are, at least put up a little resistance when it comes to Natty and getting tapped out. That's all I can say with that. KO and Sammy interact backstage. Sammy, you know, having a little one-up on KO where KO was like, you know, you're not an ooze, you'll never be an ooze. And now Sammy Zayn's running around with the honorary ooze t-shirt. You know, didn't have to say anything, so, you know, point for Sammy here, but obviously that's going to come back full circle. I can't wait for that shit. That's going to be amazing. Imperium and uh, Sheamus have their uh, promo segment where Sheamus is solo dolo because the brawling brutes are stuck in Florida. Imperium lays the boots to Sheamus. Um, obviously, that's got the setup for their Extreme Rules six-man tag coming up on Saturday night. Bailey versus Shotzi. I'm a little just disappointed because immediately you feed Shotzi to Bailey instead of you know building up Shotzi. You know she's turned babyface. You might want to build her up before you start feeding her to somebody else. They immediately feed her to Bailey, which I get. Storyline wise, I get it, but it just doesn't make sense. Um, Maximum Male Miles and uh, Renee, not Renee Dupree, but um, Max Dupree. That's basically the end of the show where, you know, we have the tease of the LA night coming up um, probably next week or the week after. For me, like I said, SmackDown, not much to really talk about. Imperium versus Sheamus. Them fighting Sheamus where Sheamus doesn't want to stay down. It just another build to tomorrow night's uh, rematch for the Intercontinental Championship, which I think this should be a really good rematch. I wish they didn't do it this soon, but that's just me. Sheamus versus Gunther for the rematch for the Intercontinental Championship on SmackDown should be a really good match. It should lead into Extreme Rules really well, especially if it's the main event. Are the Brawling Brutes baby faces now? I was thinking about that the other day. They get the baby face reaction. They're putting them against the Usos. So, obviously, they're going to get more so of a baby face reaction. I want to say they're tweeners right now. I'm the, I don't think that they're full-fledged baby faces just yet. Sheamus doesn't feel like a baby face to me. What do you think, Zach? Probably more tweener just because, like, they're definitely, like, face. This is in their, like, position. But, like, they'll still do, like, real deal heel shit as far as, like, beating people up and cheating to win. They were presented as baby faces on NXT, um, and they were prevent they were presented as a big deal on NXT when they fought pretty deadly. And you know, just circling everybody back- from the main roster is though, because that crowd will not boo. Um, it, it, you know, even if it was like a dastardly heel, that NXT crowd ain't gonna boo somebody from the main roster. That's a good point. They did. They, I say, Dolph Ziggler, they were in love with his ass as soon as he hit the door. They're um, fucking like wringing out people's sweat towels, just trying to get a drip on their tongues. Like anybody that's on the main roster, <laughs> he's heating up. Um, <laughs> this uh, this three on three match uh, is a very 
very international match. I mean, we got a guy from Austria, a guy from Germany, a guy from Italy, a guy from Ireland, and two guys from England, if I'm uh, not mistaken. Maybe they should all it's get like together. like a coexist bumper sticker. I know, and <laughs> they should be called uh, the League of Nations. Yeah, maybe. right. Maybe we should do that. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was saying. I think we tried that before. Clearly, that did, that shit did not work out. I am well. glad that Fabian Eichner, who is now known as uh, Vinci, uh, Vinci uh, shit. Yeah, I'd say I still don't know his I new can't remember main his roster first name. Fucking name, god damn it! Uh, but I'm glad that they put him back. I'm glad that they're a uh, that they're a faction again because i like them a lot and uh, well we'll get to the pay-per-view later but yeah very cool uh let's jump to raw real quick uh we opened with judgment day versus aj styles and Rey mysterio obviously a two-part story here with the continuation of dom making rain look bad and then on the flip side aj styles losing the match because ray was not in the corner and then AJ pushing Ray post match, teasing a possible heel turn. Like I said, I don't see this happening, but it is 2022 and weird shit has been happening lately. So, you know, it could actually happen. Um, Lastly, and Mustafa Ali coming off the side of the milk cart and had a backstage interaction where Mustafa Ali was basically saying that he's not going to wait any longer. He's going to take his U.S. title match, championship match. They had their U.S. title match. Good, not great. Um, I always thought that Ali should have been the U.S. champion when they had the tournament a few months back, neither here nor there. Um, Ali's a great talent. I just think that this is his ceiling in WWE, like it or not, If especially if there's not going to be a cruiserweight title. This is what it is for Ali. It's no disrespect. It just kind of is what it is. Seth Rollins and Matt Riddle had their segment where obviously they could not touch unless uh, otherwise this person that touched matches off. Um, Daniel Cormier makes his appearance here. I'll let you guys jump in on this. Um, I get it. Daniel Cormier is a WWE guy. He follows the product. Um, it goes with the fight pit motif where the special referee is not a legitimate referee, quote unquote. He's usually someone that's, has a connection to the wrestlers or MMA in this case. You have obviously Daniel Cormier. For me, I don't think you need it. It just it's a good way to get more eyes on the product, and that's what WWE does. But honestly, I don't think you need it. You can just have you know fill in the blank referee in there and just let him do his thing and let these guys go at it. I think honestly, this might steal the show on Saturday night. Thoughts on Cormier entering the fray here, Zach? Yeah, I think um, that it could be like a little test to see maybe people how he react to him, how he does. Uh, I could see Cormier showing up for a big WrestleMania payday. You know, maybe they have him wrestle Brock. Uh, that would be crazy. Um, or maybe like a Saudi payday or something, you know, like that. Uh, kind of like Kane did. Um, but then Kane went off and like murdered someone after he ripped his leg up. So hopefully he doesn't end up like Kane. Uh, but, um, yeah, that's a crazy story. He's also, anyway, I mean, he, Cormier's got more of a uh, WWE personality for sure. He does have a great personality. Yeah, he is. Uh, he's good on. He's good on the mic. You know, I know that he does some uh, color commentary for MMA stuff. So he seems like a good addition. If anything, to me, this felt like nothing 
this felt to me like they came up with a finish for the fight pit, and they were like, you know what, let's let's uh, let's break that glass because I'm sure they've been in talks with Daniel Cormier for a long time, just trying to find the right time to insert him. I have more thoughts about Cormier when we have predictions later. So you know, uh, this is how Ken Shamrock started too um, mm-hmm. back in the day. Mm-hmm. He was a special guest referee yep. for it was a Brett match. Brett and somebody, yeah, I can't think who Brett it is. John, was it? Um, no, it been a Brett Sean match. I don't know. Was it? I think it was. It was yeah, a pay per view. He was a special Austin. referee. Yeah, and I can remember him throwing like guys around. You know, when they were in the corner, he was like, "You know, I told you to break. I told you to break." And I can't think who the yeah, other person was. I'll, I'll, I got it. You guys look it up. I'll, I'll finish up the raw breakdown. Uh, Candice LeRae versus Dakota. Uh, excuse me, Dakota Sky. Oh, he refereed a submission match between Bret Hart and Steve Austin at WrestleMania 13. That's like the match. Yeah, yeah that's like so, one of the greatest WrestleMania yeah. matches of all time. Yeah, that was what I'm right. saying. Right. So Shamrock that's the was match a, where Austin turns face and, and Bret turns heel, double turn. Wow, so he was the referee for that match? Yeah, that's that's how invisible he was versus the match itself. That's where Austin passed out. Yeah. Yeah. Crimson mask. Yes. Yeah, okay. All right, cool. Um, Dakota Kai goes over. Candice LeRae, I'm not worried about her too much just yet. I think she has time to play with for the moment. I did think it was weird that Candice LeRae lost, and then the next thing that you see is Johnny Gargano, Gargano. like, all happy walking Yeah, that was the idea. Yeah, I was about to say, you shouldn't be too happy about your wife losing because, you know, you're probably going to hear about that later on. She's going to watch the tape. Um, Gargano versus Otis. Otis goes over with some fuckery from Austin Theory. I'm going to keep saying this. At some point, this briefcase is going to get defended. Johnny Gargano is going to be one of the first, if not the first, to go after the briefcase. KO might be a close second. That's just me throwing some shit out there. Bailey versus Bianca sets up their um, ladder match for Saturday. Uh, Solo Sokoa versus uh, Angelo Dawkins. Angelo Dawkins is taking advantage of the situation given to him. He, to me, he reminds me of Dante Martin, not in that scale where he's, you know, he's opened up a bunch of eyes, but in this scenario against Solo Sokoa, I thought he looked really good. He looked at least viable. God forbid if they wanted to break up the Street Profits as the tag team and have them go their separate ways, it wouldn't be as bad as Amari Gennetti. He just might be Angelo Dawkins, where Montez Forrest, obviously his ceiling is much higher. Well, like, you know, Christian's not Martin, Marty Gennetti. He's, no. He's Christian. He's Christian. You know, fucking Marty Gennetti. I'll say it again. That poor bastard, man. <laughs> he only gets brought up. He only gets brought up for being not as good as Shawn Michaels. Or for being like a literal crazy person. Too. Okay. Uh, so he's like admitted to a lot of weird shit. Yeah. That's, that's not why people bring him up all the time, though. People bring him up. 95% because, of the time. Oh, yeah. People bring him for... up because he was one of the rockers and he wasn't Shawn fucking Michaels. Which His is, name's like synonymous with defenestration. Yes. See, that's throwing yourself out a window, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, because he went through the window. I okay. think throwing yeah, I yourself would be like auto defenestration, but anyway. I, was like, I can't believe he's such a coward. He threw himself through the window. I've tried auto <laughs> defenestration one time, but it like I, so they had to come revive me because I almost, wait a minute, what does? <laughs> God, I, I, this is where I wish the visual media was here because I'm looking at him like, what the fuck? <laughs> you know, like Michael Hutchins. <laughs> <laughs> like uh, David Carradine. Yeah, those guys. Jesus David Christ. 
Uh, I lost my train of thought. Uh, Edge comes out. I was talking about jerking off. Yeah, right. Edge comes out, (laughs) um, does his thing, sets up their I quit match for Saturday. Not a big deal. Main event, and I think this is something that I'm going to put an asterisk to because we're going to talk about in the predictions. Alexa Bliss versus EO Sky. EO Sky goes over, and then the heels proceed to destroy the baby faces. Asuka, who was hurt earlier, came down with Kendo Stick, got that work. Alexa Bliss got that work. Bianca Belair got that work. So basically, you had damage control closing out Raw with Bailey holding the titles, and then you had the tag team champions on her side. I'll just say this. If there's a time where people need to come back, this might be the time on Saturday. I'll leave it at that. Oh, you think Bray Wyatt's going to come back for the Alexa Bliss <laughs> shit? <laughs> come on, man. Come on. Think, Mark! <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> told you I was going to drop a new told you I was going to drop a new drop on you tonight. <laughs> I am thinking, damn it. Um, you saw those that rat running around real hard. So, uh let's uh did you watch NXT this week? Well, let's get into I, let's get into You that. two did. Well, there no, was No, I only got to the beginning. Uh I was starting it whenever that was the beginning of it when you guys called. All okay. right, well, I'll, I'll run through the I'll run through some run through uh, that shit. Some of the bullet points. Uh, the brawling brutes come out to start some shit with Pretty Deadly. They end up having a tag match at the end. Pretty Deadly goes over, and you know, as I think about Brizongo, and I think about Pretty Deadly, and I think about Maximum Male Models, and I think about how much I love these particular tag teams and how much I loved the Billy and Chuck angle back in the day. You did. In WWE. I think, like, if I had to examine myself, which could be a dangerous thing, (laughs) but if I had to examine myself, I think that what, what I like the most about pro wrestling is how fucking weird it is and how bizarre it is and how if you tried to explain it to anybody on the outside, it just wouldn't make any sense. Zero. How it's a... It's an art form. It's a business completely unique to itself. There is nothing like it. And I like these tag teams, or these acts, I should say, that uh, in in a world full of tough guys, like they are the complete opposite. And yes. there's something about that that is very appealing to me because it really only adds to the absurdity of it. Pretty the pretty deadly. boys, yeah, the pretty boys in, in Pretty Deadly should not be tag team champions. They should be the ones getting, in yeah. the world of professional wrestling, they should be getting that work. Right, but yet, they're tag team champions, they're great workers. And they're over as fuck. They're over as fuck, and they've completely embraced their characters, completely embraced their characters, and that is the type of shit that really, uh, you know, I don't want to say it gets me off here because that could, you know, but it gets me you off. Just, yeah, you just talk about jerking off. I... <laughs> I I like Pretty Deadly and the dichot the the difference the the fucking dichotomy that separates Pretty Deadly and the Brawling Brutes is just that's the type of shit that I live for and I fucking love it. Now that's professional wrestling in a nutshell. I mean, right to censor. We're, we're also right. people that <laughs> they were not people that should be fighting, you know. But they, <laughs> they were mean and they were healed. Especially I in the Attitude Era, they were be- they were definitely going against the grain. Uh. Thoughts on that, Zach? Thoughts on my sexuality? <laughs> <laughs> There's a there is always something appealing to that kind of um, 
you know, subverting expectations. Yes. Uh, whenever it comes to um, you know your traditional uh, stereotype of a professional wrestler, and uh, yeah, it works really well, especially when people are good at the act and whenever they embrace it. I mean, like, dude, like Justin Runnels, you know, Bam. Justin Rhodes forever, and then like he comes up with Gold Dust, and Gold Dust was so awesome yes. and weird. Yes. Um, and, you know, it was his just fully go, fully committing to it. And, uh, yeah, no, I agree. Um, Von Wagner goes over Andre Chase to grab his spot in the ladder match for the North American title. I love Andre Chase. Left. Yes, I love Andre Chase, but I get that they want to put a big guy in there to be a base, to play that part that – Kane and Big Show have, yeah. have played forever in, in that match. So yeah, it makes F. sense. Uh, Veer Mahan came back to NXT and had a backstage segment where he just kind of looks at his old whoa, tag whoa, team whoa, partner, whoa, 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 Senga. Whoa. Okay. okay, so this is Veer that was on the main roster. Yes. Okay. So him and Sanga, his old right. tag team partner, I forget what they were called. They weren't a tag team for very long. They were probably a tag team like – like way deep developmental shit, you know, but they're both. Um, how do I say this? They're both brown guys. I I don't I don't know what their ethnicity is. I just I don't I don't want to I don't want to say they're both Indian. If you find right. out later that Sangha is Pakistani or yeah, something, yeah, but I, sure. I don't know what they are. But uh, they look the same. Exactly. Uh, they they look similar, more similar than Jason and I do. True story. And um, I I and they're both huge, and they're both super. Uh, like Sanga has had this thing on NXT for a while where he, he's backstage and he's always talking to somebody. Like his his gimmick is he's very like eloquent and almost like a like a most interesting man in the world, like a rich guy who right, right, right. who always uh, like defends women and doesn't like when Zion Quinn comes back there and yells at somebody. So oh, so Zion Quinn flipped heel. Zion Quinn. I mean, I don't know. I, don't, I mean, he's. I'd say he's a tweener. I guess. Yeah, I guess he's a heel. Mm. Um. Damn. Dragonoff cuts a or has a cinematic promo that fucking ruled. Uh Grayson Waller and Apollo Crews still have a thing going on, or though although now it's becoming kind of a I mean, I don't know. Apollo Cruz is having these visions, but everybody can see them on screen and like people will be like <laughs> so ridiculous. People will be like, Grayson, did you see Apollo's vision? He's like, Yeah, he's like, I don't know. But then like Apollo Crews pulled Grayson Waller underneath the ring, and Grayson Waller came out with like blood coming from his eyes and shit. This was also a segment that had CJ, that had Corey Jade and Rox, Roxanne Perez in it. I don't know. The what fuck was, that? that I, okay, what I don't else? know what was going on. Yeah. Um, Julius Creed, Duke Hudson, and uh, Kemp. I forget his first name, but he is Gable Stevenson's brother. They have a feud going on, which is fun. Where is Gable Stevenson at? Shouldn't know. he be on NXT at this point? I don't know. Did they change they, his name uh, to Gable Stevenson? Didn't they do that? Even though his last <laughs> name is actually Stevenson? Uh, yeah, I'm sure they did. I don't did think so. Something no, like I think that. they started calling him Gable Stevenson, and I can get why, because no one's going to want to stay Stevenson. Everybody's yeah. going to say Stevenson this anyway. Yeah. So I, I get that. So Pretty Deadly goes over Brawling Brutes, and then uh, Anofe and Malik Blade come out at the end. It looks like they're going to be the next challengers, challengers for Pretty Deadly, which is cool. You know, throw some new blood in there. For sure. Uh, so that's your read, NXT run then. Go ahead, Tubir. I read that uh, Gable season was not necessarily progressing as quickly as they uh, thought he might because he's like such a good athlete and stuff. Well, his, his, brother's, uh, his brother's pretty good. Yeah, but him not being 
around isn't uh, necessarily a good sign because uh, apparently he was supposed to do something with Triple H at Mania. Not, I don't know if this was before. That's what uh, Triple, H Triple H said. Stuff. That's what Triple yeah. H said on the interview with Ariel Hawani is that Vince came to him and was like, "Do you want to do something for Mania?" And this is before his before he had that scare, and he was supposed to do something with Gable Stevenson. Really? Yes. Huh? That's what I mean. That's what Triple H told Ariel Hawani, and Ariel Hawani. He really gets something out of those guys. I don't know if we talked about it, but I saw a bit that like bits and pieces of that. Like it's, they it's, were talking about like Sasha and, and Bray and it's worth watching. Went, the, worth, you know, it was like bullet points real quick. Yeah. That that five minutes, I was like, that was a good. If you get to watch it, and I haven't, but just that five minutes more to make me watch the entire segment. Uh, anything else about the main roster? I mean, we got. No, we're gonna talk about later. predictions in there in a little bit. We can break it down some more. All right, let's get to that. Two counts. Two beer. What's the two count? Uh, two count. Um, Let's just jump up and uh, GCW. talk about the hot wrestling. It's not as good as unprofessional bullshit, but it's going to be one of my favorites over the course of time. I can tell right now. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to do a little bit of the same thing that happened. Uh, last night, which was essentially overshadow a pretty good <laughs> wrestling show with some rumor mongering and sensationalism. Uh, so we're just going to jump right out the bat and talk about what everybody wants to talk about, apparently, which is Andrade and Sammy Guevara uh, getting into an altercation backstage. So um, for a little bit of backstory, Andrade did a interview where the interviewer Asked him, you know, you ever get into it with anybody? And he's like, no, I've never really had anything. He's like, except one time, Sammy Guevara uh, got upset because I hit him too hard in a wrestling match. And uh, I just said, oh, it's wrestling. You, I, you are, you hit me hard. And it's like, nothing ever came of it. And that's how this Sammy, started. That's how this started. Yeah. I, did, I didn't know that. See, I, I love it when you teach me stuff. <laughs> so Sammy came back at him, and, you know, Sammy always online um a vlogger you know constantly on twitter um so he comes back and tags andre there's a back and forth on twitter if you want to see like the rundown but basically um you know the the gist of it was sammy said um you know that didn't happen and no, he, was like, he was like first he was like you're a jobber you know you're you were uh what do you say like a, a favor hire you know, basically, shut the fuck up, bitch. He yeah, he said, yeah, shut up. You wouldn't have a you wouldn't have a job except for your father-in-law, who's yeah. And uh, Man, you're you just did, mad because you you couldn't get, get over, over the first time, and now you can't get over the second time. So I mean, basically, yeah. Sammy returned fire across the bow, if you will. Yeah. So yeah, he said you're just mad that you can't get over a second time, and to just go back to WWE like everybody knows that he wants to which is apparently like a shoot because um, apparently he legitimately is trying to get out of his contract. And that's yeah, where kind I, of this comes how in. He not? How could he not? He hasn't been used. Like he's in the, they put him in that stupid faction. I don't even know what it's called. The Andre Andrade money team or something. It's got private party. It had Matt Hardy in it for a while. It made no sense. They haven't done shit with yeah. him. This is a guy that well, could will, be wrestling for any belt. That's true, and I think a lot of people, um, I think a lot of people overestimate Andrade. Honestly, um, like 
he's a great worker and he seems like he has it, but I just don't think he's actually top guy. Um, in my opinion, I'm not saying that he couldn't be used better or anything, but he wasn't like over in NXT until he had uh, Zelina, and that was a good act. But I mean, we really can have banger matches, but uh, I don't know. Like, he was good in New Japan, but that was like intercontinental level. Um, you know, he was never uh, going to be a top guy or anything. I think he's really good. I just doesn't scream top guy to me. Um, but this does wrap around into the idea, like, so essentially, Andrade, they get talked to on Tuesday. They get both get sat down and say, hey, uh, you guys are not going to get into a fight uh, tomorrow. He's like, we're not having any more, you know, backstage altercations. You guys will be sent home. Unprofessional if- bullshit. Exactly. Uh, you're paying these guys six figures, and they work, like, four days a month, eight days a month. And, uh, you know, like, you would expect them to at least, you know, not be able to fight. But this is something that happens in pro wrestling. It's happened since the beginning of pro wrestling. It's just now we get to see it all because they're social media. But they got sat down. Both of them, there wasn't going to be any any beef. Andrade shows up Wednesday. And from the majority of accounts, uh, swings on Sammy. Uh, at least throws two or three punches. Sammy does not fight back, which is why Sammy was not sent home. Andrade was sent home. Andrade started it. Andrade's the only one that threw punches. Andrade got sent home. And uh, a lot of people were upset that Sammy was in the main event because they heard he was at a backstage altercation and we just had all this shit with the CM Punk and Young Bucks uh, situation where there was a variety of suspensions and some of them are still happening. So there is a whole lot to unpack here as far as um, Andrade wanting to get out of his contract. Uh, What do you do with somebody like this? What do you do with Andrade? Um, I mean, I think I would just uh, pay him to sit at home, essentially, because I'm not letting him go to WWE. Um, but if he's going to be a goddamn nuisance and not professional, because uh, he could, the thing is, he could be something WWE, but if he's going to be a nuisance, you're going to have to pay him either way. I'd rather just pay him to sit at home and then cool him off. I don't know. I don't know what to do. Uh, the truth is, I'm just going to, I didn't know all that backstory. I'm just going to tell you where my gut is on this uh, because I saw it happening. My gut is on this is that Sammy's a bitch. Um, and he do- Uh-oh. <laughs> Uh-oh. He doesn't mind. It might be a second motherfucker looking for Bill here in the world. I'm just it. saying he. it's obvious. Listen, Andrade can say that in an interview. If you're being interviewed and somebody asks you a question, I mean – you can say that, and maybe that is, and I'm sure that is an affront to a professional wrestler. And now we're getting through all this backstage fucking shit. I, I'll apologize in advance to Eddie Kingston. I might use some, I might use some insider terms here. I might say some stuff like I'm one of the boys. So forgive me in advance, okay? Okay, just um, leave it alone. Okay, Matt, okay, Mad King. Um, <laughs> I just think that Sammy, he knows that he's a. It seems like he's a made guy. He's considered one of the four pillars of AEW, and he feels like, I don't know if he feels like he's the teacher's pet or if he feels like he's untouchable or what, but taking that shit to Twitter and, okay, so Andrade says in an interview, you know, one time I hit Sammy too hard and he told me that I hit him too hard. Then you come back with, you're a, you're a, you're a jobber. You're a, you're a jobber. B, you were a favor hire. A favor hire. 
and then C, C just go back to WWE, WWE where everybody like knows. Yeah. It's like that escalated quickly, man. It's like it's like when you know I'm getting in an argument with my wife. She says something, and then I say, "Well, you're just like your mom." You know, it's like what I just asked, I just asked you to just ask you to take the recycling out. You know what I mean? It's like you know, it's like you don't have to fucking make it be that serious. Right off the bat, just try talking to each other. It really is unprofessional bullshit. And this really, if it wasn't a problem before, it is now a problem. And we thought that we were out of the woods, and then Sammy Guevara comes in and just restarts the entire fucking thing, and he's one of Tony Khan's boys. I'm sure Tony Khan had to be like, what the fuck is your problem? Seriously, Sit your ass down. Fucking just take his Twitter away. Or I, I would, like I said on Facebook last night, I was, I would have suspended him just for taking it to Twitter. That's fine. You can take it to Twitter. I'm just not going to put you on TV. All right? So fuck off. He's a bitch. <sighs> okay. Just to rewind it all back. There's for me. There's fault on both sides. I'm not saying it's equal fault. Find me, Sammy. Fault. Find me. <laughs> Jesus, here I'll we hit, go. I'll hit you too hard. <laughs> Sammy, gonna do some shit off your roof and hit you with this shit. We, I just want to be here to watch that shit unfold. Um, I probably should have never said Sammy's name. He could have said the incident that had happened, but take Sammy's name out of it. Okay. Now, Sammy going to Twitter. That's what this generation does. The generation behind us, that's what they do. Some people hold that shit in like I do. Some people vent out loud like I do. <laughs> and some people go to Twitter like Sammy does. Okay. He went to Twitter and twit and went ablaze on Twitter. Okay. It started off as maybe something you could talk about. You know, hey, man, I saw what you said on the, uh, on this interview. Let's go, you know, go to the back and let's talk about this shit. Now you made this shit personal okay it's personal now where you, you've basically called me less than what i am and i'm sorry zach i'm gonna push back on a little bit on this i think andrade could be a world champion i'm not saying a triple a world champion i'm talking about a w world champion i'm talking about a wwe world champion. oh yeah i kind of glossed over that jason and i made some faces at each other because when i used to say that i thought that alberto del rio and andrade were equal workers I got called all sorts of names by you guys. You guys put it on Twitter. You know, you took, like, the generation up, up before me, uh, Jason, the older generation, Gen <laughs> X or whatever it is, <laughs> baby boomers. He took it to Twitter, and he put it on a fucking poll, and I got dragged I got dragged on Twitter. And here I was not even looking at it because I'm one of the cool generation <laughs> that just doesn't put up with this shit. That was, that was a really bad thing. You just said oh, that he's, so you, go, you just you said he's not bad. Oh, see, you can't have it both ways. You can't have it both ways. What, he could be he could be great and much better than Alberto Del Rio. And Zach, still did not you ever watch guy. Alberto Del Rio? Was Alberto Del Rio even wrestling when you were watching it? Oh no. See, so you don't know. Oh, I'm just. I mean, I've seen a little bit, but I haven't like. I've seen way more Andrade, but uh, okay, no, I was, so, I wasn't so my take is not as bad as it was now. So no, Vikingo is an awesome, is, is awesome. 
Oh wait, we're saying. talking about Vikingo now. <laughs> yeah. So let's just let's bring up let's bring up Jonah versus Okada now too. Let's it wasn't an upset. Let's just get all let's just put all of our dicks on the table here, boys. <laughs> I hate the uh, interim titles. <laughs> are you are you saying though? Are basically you guys saying that me saying Andrade's not a top guy is a bad take? Is that is that was just a, this is? It's a shocking take. A, a little shocking. I'll I'll say this for me personally, his NXT run. And I will agree with you on that. Zelina Vega made him a little more presentable, at least for the WWE product, because it's usually entertainment first, wrestling second. But, I mean, his match against Johnny Gargano, I'm sorry. We didn't do that when we were talking about the NXT, you know, rewind or whatever the case may be. That motherfucker should be a five-star classic off the jump. I mean, it was that good. Yeah, and it was, I'm taking it was our, that as the example. The year and saying he didn't get over until he had Zelina. It's like, well, yeah, I mean... Stunning Steve Austin didn't get over either. I mean, it sometimes mm. sometimes it just takes somebody takes some guys to find it. Yeah, he needs a manager for sure, no doubt, no question. But Especially if you're in WWE, where you're gonna have to talk. He has what it takes to be a. You're gonna guy. tell me you wouldn't want to see Brian Danielson versus Andrade for the title right now? And I'm, I'm just saying, I know John Moxley has the title. I know that, but you ask me, that'd be yeah. amazing. Okay, that's my point. I think he's an amazing wrestler. It's just that there's Thank so many Mark. people in AEW. Like, there's no, like, there's absolutely, like, he's not even, like, in the top, like, he's not in the top five in AEW. Like, he's barely scratching, like, the top ten as far as people that you're going to have as, like, your world champion. Okay. okay. AEW's just so good. No, it's just a bloated roster. Okay. That's what I mean. So, <laughs> let's, I mean, let's get let's get it back on track. Okay. All right, yeah, sorry. Uh, so, That's all right. So, we're, we're, uh, so yeah, so what do you do with a guy like that? Uh, let's get it back. Barrett aside, like, what do you do? You know, everybody likes to armchair CEO. You know, we like to armchair book a lot on the, on the podcast. But lately, the new trend has been armchair CEO because everybody thinks that they can run a professional wrestling company uh, better than anybody. And we've been, we, we talked about a little bit of that, too. But I'm talking, like, what do you do with an employee that is just, like, trying to get out of their contract and at the same time you don't want them to go elsewhere because yeah i mean they they have star potential they could be something i mean saying that anybody thinks that they can everybody thinks that they can run a wrestling promotion just seems like a not very thinly veiled shot at joey o'farrell so i just want to say <laughs> just want to say that he's that got a is, good track record <laughs> one for one baby <laughs> That is not the opinion of the pod. Just Zach is just bringing the negative. Okay, just bringing the heat. Jesus, man, calm down. You it's made October. it personal. I was just talking about the, the keyboard warriors. I say, fuck you, fuck you. You're cool. Uh, so, I mean, if you're asking me if I was Tony Khan, what would I do with Andrade? I would try to massage it a little bit. I would, I would throw him a bone. Um, there's so many fucking titles. Can you just give him something? Can you give him? Didn't he have Vicky Guerrero for a while or something? Am I imagining that? I don't know. I I, I would give him. I would give him a valet. No, I or think I would, he, Vicky was there for like a hot second. I would give him a valet, or I'd put him with Stokely Hathaway and have Stokely Hathaway lose the rest of those fucking mark. Lose the rest of those fucking jobbers. You know. If it was me, I would have never had. LF, well, Roosh and Andrade turn on Dragon Lee. That would be my next faction. So that way, 
whomever you wanted to do with, in this case, Andrade. He's the lead dog. They've never even addressed that on screen, though. (laughs) Like, it was still, it's still so weird. Okay. So, another story for another time. Uh, Andrade would be the lead dog. Roosh would be his backup just in case. And then Dragon Lee is basically your um, TNT uh, chaser or whatever the case may be because they don't have the. an interim, or not interim, but a cruiserweight title, or if you want to bring ROH in, you can do that too. So there's an, that's another play to that. He was the TV champion for a hot second. You can have him and Samoa Joe go after it. To me, that's the, that was the play. When you had LFI there and they turned on Dragon Lee, which, like Bill said, didn't even, was never even explained, number one. Number two, Roosh and, and Andrade can be interchangeable as the lead guy. Obviously, Roosh did it in uh, ROH. So, I mean, that's not beyond the realm of possibility. In this scenario, for me, Andrade, at the very least, should be chasing Wardlow. If not Wardlow, he should be chasing John Moxley. Either way, I think both of those matches would be good. I think Wardlow, I'm sorry, I think Wardlow should be more so focused on the heavyweight championship at this point. I think now you're going to start to try to reheat him up with the Brian Cage match, and we'll talk about that here in a second. Um, Andrade should be one of those guys that should be getting in line for the TNT championship. I don't want him to be the all-lang champion. That's it. Look, no disrespect to Pac, but it's just not there yet, okay? The TNT championship to me is like the Intercontinental Championship in WWE. It's the next step to the next step. If we want Andrade to get to that next step, He's got to be the TNT champion first. That's what I would do. And then you you take the landscape of things and go from that point. Right now, he's just going to have to take a seat. But I get it. I, I'm mad for Andrade, too, but I'm mad for a lot of guys because I just think a lot of guys are fighting for TV time that's just not there. Unless ROH gets a deal where now you can open up two more hours, a third hour, whatever the case may be. Dark. To, I don't watch Dark. You guys don't watch Dark. I don't watch Dark Elevation. Neither do you guys do. So, I mean, we're realistically watching two or three hours of AEW programming per week, and we're seeing a certain amount of guys. But there's, like, like two beers said, there's a shit ton of talent on here. These guys want to be on TV, and I don't blame any of them for it. Andrade's one of those guys I personally want to see, and I think if you did it that way, maybe you can you know placate him a little bit to keep him around. But you can't let him leave for WWE. If he goes to WWE, you know what's going to happen. That's going to be the Charlotte and fucking Andrade show immediately. Oh yeah, <clears throat> yeah, and you know Triple H likes him for sure. What's next, or what's going on on Dynamite? All right, yeah, we can. Uh move on to dynamite sorry i knew that was going to take a little while so we figured we'd get it out of the way first sure uh we opened the show mjf versus wheeler yuda in an absolutely legitimately good wrestling match this was a legitimately good wrestling show um a lot of good wrestling a lot of good segments a decent crowd uh we had uh the crowd finally kind of getting into it. I thought it was going to be like a quiet crowd because we've had a couple quiet crowds in the past couple of weeks of Dynamite um, outside of a couple hot instances. But, uh, you know, they did this uh, trading uh, kind of pinfall uh, situation. There's probably a name for it uh, where they all roll around and they're reversing each other and going into cradles and stuff. And 
they both ended up on the ground and got legitimate business awesome chance. So, um, really good match though overall. Uh, ended with uh, MJF, you know, getting a version of the salt of the earth. Yuta tapped immediately, and uh, Yuta wanted MJF to shake his hand. Looked like MJF was going to do it, and then uh, what's his name? Uh, one of the guys from the firm, Lee Moriarty. Oh, um, yeah, Lee Moriarty. Why did I say Lee Moriarty? Guess they uh, all look alike to you. Huh? <laughs> 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 yeah, jumped in and blindsided him, and MJF acted like he was super pissed. He said, I didn't tell you to do that. And um, Stokely Hathaway hands him the diamond ring, wants him to knock uh, Wheeler out with it, but uh, William Regal walks up and just casually puts on some brass knuckles, and everybody <laughs> runs away, which I thought was like... You fucked up! Way to you fucked it. up! <laughs> yeah. So good. But this was good, man. This was really good. I, I gotta admit, uh, the only... I liked the match except for that rolling pin spot that Zach brought up. That is, I, I can't remember. I think that's an MJF spot. I think that he likes to do that. I think that's what I say. I think I, I've seen that. I think he's done at it least multiple t- once or twice with uh, MJF uh, matches. Uh, not, that's not my favorite spot, uh, but I, I did enjoy the match, and I think that MJF not wanting to beat up Wheeler Utah. You, Wheeler, <laughs> Wheeler, Wheeler Utah after the match. I swear I'm not doing that on purpose. I swear. Think, Mark. Uh, Wheeler, New Mexico. I think that's a nice little wrinkle. Wheeler, Arizona. I think that's a nice little wrinkle for his character, and uh, I was I was a fan of it. Uh, adds a little bit of nuance because he came back, and you know it's tough to say if that's going to be a wrinkle of his character or it's, if it's just because of the history that him and Yuta have. So I, I enjoyed the match, though. Um, MJF looked great. I mean, just physically look great after what is it, 129 days of not being in the ring. He looks shredded, look ready to go. Looks like he could be a future world champion at some point. Um, second thing is the poker chip. I've been a big thing about this poker chip. What does it mean? You know, how does it work? And they kind of doubled down on the fact that it could happen at any point at any time. So that makes it feel like more money in the bank to me. Neither here nor there. We'll get to that at some point sometime. I thought Didn't the man- Jericho invent the money in the bank? Did we yes. talk about this last week? Yes. Okay, so it can go wherever it wants. That's not the way it w- that's not the way it's been up to this point. Right. Yes, I know. Okay. One of Zach's big things about Tony Khan and one of my big things against Tony Khan is the interim championship. It's been the same no matter what. This is now of obviously changed because I think who the person has, who the person it is holds an, the chip, it is it a, makes it change. It is an undeniable great story device, though. I'm not disagreeing with that. Undeniable. I'm not. I, and I don't fault them for using it that way either. Either way works. I'm just shooting one over two beers bow where he's always like, you know, Tony Khan's consistent. The interim champion is the interim champion, no matter what. This has changed, and it's obviously changed. So that means that as much as, you know, Tony Khan's being consistent, he now at least reads the temperature in the water and sees that MJF, with the opportunity of cashing in at any given point, is way better than him saying, I want it to be on this date, this time, at this place. 
podcast, it's changed, but it's improved. So that's all that matters to me. Um, I don't mind the inconsistency because it is better. Um, it is brilliant too. Uh, man, Jericho is uh, really good, really smart when it comes to this wrestling thing. <laughs> He's done it once or twice. It's it's undeniable. That's what makes it so frustrating that uh, WWE has like dropped the ball on it the last few times. Well, the Brock, the Brock Lesnar one, the Austin Theory one in, entering at the very last minute kind of took away from it. And plus, it just doesn't look like they're very interested in Austin Theory having it anymore, um, which is also pretty interesting to me. Um, but Most of them have been bad, and I think historically it's because most of the time Ot- oh, well, changes his mind. Otis is the one that we always bring up. That was a bad one. Okay. And I think that was part, part of it is, is that it, a lot of this is Vince. The thing is, is that I'd be fine with Otis winning it now because now now it feels like he could actually well, he's, he's presented as a badass right. and not a guy that does the worm right you know right and he's the heavy for the thing is a lot of alpha a lot, academy slash austin theory a lot of them have been bad but the best ones have been so off the charts great Dolph Ziggler Seth mm-hmm. Rollins mm-hmm. uh you know the Miz and Orton yeah uh for me I loved it when Swagger cashed in on Jericho Jericho yeah you know? yeah it all, it all makes sense. So, I mean, it, you know, it is what it is. I just, like I said, for me, I just like clarity in this scenario because I think it's a big deal for AEW because we're talking about their heavyweight championship with John Moxley just getting it back. And for me, and like I said it before on, on pods beforehand, I want John Moxley to have a legitimate title run for five, six defenses over three, four months. You know what I'm saying? I want him to be the champion when 2023 comes around. That's how. That's what, what kind of a title run I want for Moxley. But if MJF is hanging over him, that's going to make his title run more interesting. Hanging Page is coming up in two weeks. We'll see what happens then. Yeah, it definitely makes it more interesting. And like uh, you said, MJF looks so good physically now. It's almost like TK told him, like, hey, uh, you're going to have this belt. Uh, he's like, all right, I got to put on some <laughs> <laughs> I got to look I good for this photo. <laughs> I mean, no doubt. Like, hey, you're going to you're gonna be the flag bearer of the company here sometime soon. Right. So, look good. Right. Get ripped. Not saying he was he was out of shape, but to me, no. the, you could see the six-pack in his uh, – in his abs or whatever the case may be, more so than I've ever seen before. And that's to me where I was like, okay, you know, this this has legs. Go talk, MJ- to, uh, go talk to Aaron Judge's trainer. <laughs> move on, Zach, move on. <laughs> uh, Darby Allen versus Jay Lethal. Um, solid match, uh, really good uh, finishing sequence. Another kind of bit of back and forth on the pins, and then uh, he ended up getting uh, – Darby ended up getting him with the Last Supper, which is a, a pretty cool pin. Uh, but, uh, I mean, these guys are both good wrestlers. This is a good match. Um, so, uh, but nothing much to say about it except, uh, you know, we saw a little bit of maybe a potential Jay Lethal face turn here um, with, uh, even though they weren't in Ring of Honor or wrestling a Ring of Honor match, uh, doing the handshake, um, Darby almost had like a, it's almost like a, uh, he didn't, almost like didn't consent fully to the handshake. He's just like, you're going to shake my hand. You're going to shake so, my hand. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this felt like, this almost felt like a Ring of Honor show. And while the matches were good, I 
I, I would, if I had Tony Khan's ear, I would caution him away from trying to do too much ROH. You've already, ROH is an existing brand that you can, I, I know you probably got, you're trying to sell, sell it to a, to a TV provider, but you have a brand that you've established that people are really excited about. And while this may have been a very good wrestling show, this, the last couple of weeks have not been my favorite episodes of dynamite. They just haven't. I don't know what they're doing with Jay lethal. They have Jay lethal right there. I mean, they have Jay lethal there. The thing with Darby Allen that never makes sense to me is that he is a smaller wrestler he is over as fuck. He is a great worker, and he's a baby face. Why does he win all the time? This is a type of guy that could be Teflon in terms of losses. He wouldn't have to. He, you think that Darby Allen would have a hard time bouncing back from a loss? He wins all the fucking time. Why can't he fucking lay down for Jay Lethal in the second match on a dynamite just so Jay Lethal can get a little bit of fucking cred? Just so he can get a little bit of shine, I I I don't understand it. And uh, you know, I mean, obviously, I could run a professional wrestling promotion, not the wrestling keyboard warriors, but I mean, I could, you know. And <laughs> what I would do is, I, I mean, I would I would put Jay Lethal in a much more, much more visible spot than where he is right now. Uh, like I said beforehand, it, to me, it Jay Lethal, Brian Cage, um, Andrade, guys that are fighting for TV time that just isn't there. Jay Lethal, though, is an established I'm not, star. I'm not. That's look, really never had as big of a as big of a platform platform. Thank you. As he has, if he right were, now. if he were in the mix, he's never been to WWE, so. Right. This is the next and it wasn't biggest TNA, and it wasn't, this is the next biggest platform you can have. It wasn't my, almost killing Flair. <laughs> <laughs> I shouldn't be laughing. That's horrible. I, I, I shouldn't be laughing. You almost killed the, my greatest champion of all time, and obviously the the he gold in my died mind in the ring. ring right then. Yeah, God, Jesus Christ. Thank you, Andrade. That's why I like you so much. You, you saved Ric Flair. Um, this is what I'm saying. This is why. This is why I like. I'm banging a drum for ROH to get their deal. This is where Jay Lethal needs to go. Samoa Joe, Andrade, a bunch of guys that should, Brian Cage, a bunch of guys that have the ROH connection and coming from ROH are bleeding over to AEW. I have no problem with that. The best scenario is you have ROH here. You have Ring of Honor, or I'm sorry, AEW here, and they go their separate, they go their parallel courses. Every now and then, they'll interact. You know, there's no way around it. You, it's the same owner, and you want to see those AEW and ROH matches happen. But this is kind of my problem with Tony Khan slash AEW signing this person, that person this person whatever the case may be male or female you're now getting to the point where now you have disgruntled employees 
And that's not a good look, especially coming off the fact that you had a world champion being sent home because he didn't know how to act and EVPs not knowing how not knowing how they need to act. This is a scenario where, like I said, I'm going to keep this quick and sweet from this point forward. ROH needs the deal. And the sooner they get it, the better. So that way you can at least alleviate. It's not going to fix it, but you can alleviate that problem. So now talent can get on screen and be available to do their thing. Go ahead, Tubir. I think it's weird that he's actually trying to like run ROH like shows and like keep up with ROH belts and everything. When he bought it, like I was just like, oh, cool. There's a tape library. Um, you know, he's got access to some intellectual properties and stuff. But uh, I know that they have a lot of people. But, like, if you like, you just see <clears throat> the Ring of Honor pay-per-views do not sell, like, they sell, like, a quarter of the AEW pay-per-views. And they're essentially AEW pay-per-views. It's like the same dudes, um, same production value, same set. Uh, it's just kind of it's kind of weird. So, like, why would you want to run a show? Same thing, like, on TV. Why would you run run a show that, Fewer people are going to watch than your other show if you just called it by three different letters. Okay. Kind of weird to me. All right. Then here's my counter argument with that. If in an alternate, alternate universe, ROH had their own TV deal, would you pay for a Brian Danielson, Chris Jericho round three title match for the ROH championship? I mean, 30, I would. Thirty bucks. I bought the other. I bought the other ones though too. Okay, that's... Uh, but they, they're still not. I'm, I'm, I'm not the, you know, I'm, I'm a niche audience. Like, I don't think you're a niche audience. I think you're a part of the AEW audience that has been introduced to both characters. Obviously, on AEW television right now, but for you know, guys that you know go deep, deep. They know who Brian Danielson is in ROH, you know, back in the day, the, like the original American Dragon or the American Dragon or whatever the case may be. And everybody knows Chris Jericho. If you had their own deal, I think you can do, you're not going to do a million buys. You might, you might not do 500,000, but I think you can do enough to where it makes it viable as its own brand if you're not going to do it as its own brand then that's another discussion for another time i'm not even gonna go down that rabbit hole for me if you're going to do it and this is it feels like it's two separate entities but not necessarily you got all these titles it's jay lethal should be much more prominent than where he is right now and that's a problem well, here's the thing, like, for AEW, uh, like, the biggest pay-per-view, like, they ever did was just over 200,000. Um, and that's, I mean, that's, that's, like, the biggest one. Um, usually they're way, you know, considerably less than that. It just seems like a lot to do. Um, I just don't think you're going to make as much money. Um, I don't know. It's, it's interesting. I mean, you can do whatever you want. Um Obviously, we need to make money on the on the shows. Otherwise, we're not going to have the shows. But to me, if you're going to make money on the shows, you put the big guys up front, two big guys up front that's happening on free TV that we could be paying for if other things were different. Sure. I'd say 
10 bucks a month or whatever for okay you that's, know, that's what i'm saying a weekly tv show and that's a, what i'm and a saying video library i would let you pay ten dollars a month and give me your password let <laughs> 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 me get that password bitch go ahead to your um all right so uh mad <laughs> which was like let's talk about subverting expectations uh wardlow versus brian cage and you just expect this to be two big meaty men slapping meat and uh they did a luchador match <laughs> and it was awesome um you know wardlow did like a jumping hurricane rana um he did uh like a flip like he ran up the turnbuckle like cage whipped him into the corner and he ran up the corner and did like a corkscrew flip dive off the top of hope um absolutely bonkers uh so super fun uh ended up warlow winning after power bombing cage four times and um then we had a schmoz uh bill's favorite stuff but it didn't end the show but it was just right it ended the first hour here um with the schmoz um i don't even know there was like some like Nigerian prince dude out there. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> okay. Like, Samoa there Joe you came go. Out. Like, some dudes came out and beat up uh, Wardlow, and then Samoa Joe came out for the save, and they beat him up. Um, I, I really don't know what's going on, but the match was good. Okay. So, Gates of Agony, Agony was the tag team that came out to jump um, Wardlow. Wardlow immediately after the match. Samoa Joe comes out. Prince Nana is the manager that obviously nobody knows the name of outside of me, which goes to my point where ROH needs their own shit. Ultimately, this is boiling down to FTR versus Gates and Agony um, for the ROH championship, tag team championships at some point. That's fantastic. For me, the match was good. I just... I don't understand the Brian Cage hate because to me, him and Wargo are basically the same guy. Just Brian Cage came first and he d- didn't get over. And now Wargo did. But they basically can do the same thing. They're basically the same guy. Where's their Brian Cage hate? Well, I think a lot of it is just like, you know, what he's done in the past, saying the N-word, shit like that. You know, he's not very what? good. Yeah. He, I don't think he didn't say it like, you know. Never mind. Just go to YouTube. He was just reading Huckleberry Finn, and he's not that smart to so read it out loud. <laughs> somebody fed him. No, from what I understand, somebody fed him the line. He I mean, said if the you, line, catch, and if then you then, catch me listening to Ice Cube Predator in the car, like, yeah, right. <laughs> I, I do not. I'm just glad there's no oh, video of it. Oh, I'm saying, I'm like, I'm saying it. Yes, full of sure, no question about it. Except I do the hard R, not, not the way that, not the way that Ice Cube A-A-A-A-A. does it. <laughs> All day and day. Um, for me, this is kind of what I was talking about, about ROH in general, about AEW in general. Brian Kate, this match should have felt bigger than what it was. It shouldn't have been, and thank you, Tony Khan, for having it on free TV, but it shouldn't well, feel it's an like, anniversary show. Okay. It's a, a big show. Like Two beer. I get it. 
But Brian Cage versus Wargo should be they're pay-per-view. All big shows. No, they sh- it should be pay-per-view. Well, they're all fight for the fallen. No, I, I'm I'm talking to Zach. Like they're they're all named <laughs> something. Oh, they do they do a lot of gimmicks. You're right as far as like which which I, I don't even but mind. I, I think it's fun. Show. Yeah, I, I but I think it's fun to have like you know Winter's Coming, Fight for the Fallen, and whatever Fighter Fest, whatever. Like I think that it does a good job of making stuff feel like a big deal and. In, it, up until now, up until like the last month, I, I, up uh, really up until the CM Punk scrum, I I've never felt this way about AEW. I am down on the product. And Eric and Wright did put that on Facebook and I, I on Friends of BFR. Obviously, uh, I shouldn't say obviously, but follow us on Friends of BFR on Facebook. Um, he he threw it out there. Is AEW stale? And I never really thought about that until somebody else said it. Oh, I, but now that I'm starting to think about it, I'm just kind of like, I like it, but it could be a little better. Almost there, well, I say we, a lot we better. Actually, I think we've been talking about it because we've talked about how WWE is the hot product. It, it feels like the thing. I mean, I I watched five hours of WWE. And I did, or not five, because I watched the the Hulu version. So like, I watched four hours of WWE, and I can't be bothered to watch Rampage though. Um, I, mean, I was I was always of the like, even over the last couple months though, you can check the tapes. I could, I, I was always <laughs> like, oh WWE, everybody says WWE is the hot product, but uh, AEW is still putting out banger after banger after banger. The last couple weeks have soured me on it, and it's it. it I don't really, I I can't really put my finger on it. I don't. I, I can. It's CM Punk. I don't know. Well, I, I mean, no. it's been since that's symptomatic. It's been since then, though. Well, uh, everything the, was like totally fine until that. I'm a firm believer that one guy can't sink the whole ship. Well, you have a show last night, and I, I know that we're digressing, but you have a show last night where Jericho Appreciation Society is all over the show. They have so much talent. I mean, you could I mean, I could name 15 guys that I love that weren't on the show last night. Uh, and they they he he obviously likes Roosh a whole lot. Um I think that Roosh is cool even though I and I don't want to jump ahead, but I I have a hard time looking at men that don't have mustaches but have beards. They look stupid. It is the stupidest look. <laughs> and like I, I don't, I, I don't want to, I don't want to offend any listeners that might have beards yeah, and no mustaches. Two more listeners just dropped the podcast. God damn, he looks like fucking. He looks like Santa Anna had a kid with Abraham Lincoln. Stop. Like what the fuck? <laughs> Stop, Jesus Christ. God damn! I, 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 can't, I really can't look at dudes with beards with no mustaches. It just reminds me of the way the look that I went for when I was eighteen. And I couldn't grow a mustache, but I could grow a beard. Okay, it's so, embarrassing. So okay, so it's just embarrassing. So, so just let that shit ride, man. Let that motherfucker live. I'll just say this in closing: for me, I I like this Warlord Brian Cage match, but damn it, they're both. They they could both be big AEW superstars or talents or whatever the fucking word you want to use in that sentence. And 
Brian Cage got put aside, and he had Brian Cage first. Brian Cage was the shit before Wargo was even a thing. And Brian Cage was doing good work in right. AEW against Ricky Starks and right. he was in Team Taz and right. everything. I liked Brian Cage, right. and I was not sold on Brian Cage coming out of Impact Wrestling, even though I had seen him because he he did that like Transformers like Terminator thing. Yeah, that was stupid. Wasn't my favorite, but. I really liked what he was doing, and I remember on this show, on this very podcast right here, mm. when he turned babyface, I was like, you know what? I kind of like this Brian Cage babyface. I think this is cool. I like Brian Cage. I, 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 I love Wardlow, obviously. It's, um, it's two good guys. It's two guys that I would have had Brian Cage work. go over here. Or yeah, I would have had Brian Cage go over so here. So he's the TNT champion. Sure, and put Wardlow in chase. Or just have it be a non-title match if you want to do that WWE shit. But start a feud between Wardlow they and Brian Cage. do it. It's Cage. called the Eliminator match. Okay. Well, fine. I'm done talking then. <laughs> fine. You know what? I'll go inside. <laughs> Think, Mark. Go, Tubeer. Go. Uh, so we had, kicking off the second hour, uh, we had a... Uh, six-woman tag team match. Uh, Tony Storm, Athena, Willow Nightingale, who had Soraya on the outside, versus Jamie Hayter, Penelope Ford, uh, and Serena Deeb. And then, of course, we had Dr. DMD, uh, or Dr. Brett Baker, DMD, and Rebel on the outside uh, with them. So this match was uh, pretty fun. Uh, I actually really enjoyed uh, the whole thing. There is a couple folks in here who are, uh, very much organically over uh, Willow Nightingale and Jamie Hayter, who uh, kind of incidentally had a match on Rampage as well um, that Jamie Hayter won. But uh, Willow Nightingale got the pin in this match whenever uh, she pinned was Penelope Ford. She did like the uh, Doctor Bomb, uh, I think they call it. Uh, but I feel like um, this was uh, good. Um, you know, like usually. The women's is not the highlight of the show, and it's not the highlight here, but it was good. But I think the real story here was afterwards uh, we had a brawl, and Soraya got physical with Britt, who Britt, you know, in a previous segment had said in the backstage segment that Soraya was not cleared, she was never going to compete, and blah, blah, blah. Uh, but uh, Soraya got physical, so it looks like there's potential for, um, you know, the Soraya Dr. Britt Baker feud. Uh, but I don't know, what do you, you think of this? Britt obviously came out first uh, with the vignette basically saying, you know, Soraya couldn't be uh, queer for wrestling. And and I said on Twitter, I was like, well, thank you. At least somebody's going to come out and say this shit. I thought the match itself was good. Nothing great. I love the fact that Will Nightingale got the pin. I think that Will Nightingale, and I'm pretty sure she hasn't been signed with anybody else. She's one of those women that I think – has a lot of talent and has that Bailey charisma where she could be a top babyface woman with any promotion, any, any place, anytime, anywhere. Um, I guess she my has it. Like, she does. No, she really does. She yeah. can wrestle and she just has, even with Jade, you know, oh, I'm challenging you for the, uh, the uh the tbs championship or whatever and you had the bags like you know motherfucker you already lost whatever blah, blah blah you know will was like look i might have lost twice but i'm going for a third time again that's the baby face that america loves you know what i'm saying you can beat me down two times but i'm coming back a third 
That's Willow Nightingale. To me, the biggest problem with that is that, once again, we're not talking about the champion. Who's the champion in this? Tony Storm. And Tony Storm is nowhere to be found. We're talking about Britain and Soraya. We're talking about Willow Nightingale. But Tony Storm is the champion. And she is a fucking secondary character in this whole thing. Okay? That's a problem. The champion of the division shouldn't be secondary to Soraya, to Britt Baker, God love her, but shouldn't be secondary to her, to Athena, got another person that should be getting more TV time that's not getting TV time. Tony Storm should be at least the epicenter of this. Who'd you say should be getting more TV time? Uh, Athena, a.k.a. Amber Moon. Oh, Athena, okay, yes, okay, yes. Serena Deeb. This whole match, Jamie Hayes. The fact that the I thought that the heels were getting more love, they were more over than the baby faces here, is something else to kind of take away from this match, too. Jamie Hayter was getting mad love off the jump. Apparently, Serena Deeb's from the D.C., Virginia area. Okay, that's fine. But when you have Jamie Hayter getting all this love and you didn't flip her baby face the week before, that's a problem. Got to strike while the iron's hot. Um, I'll admit, uh, I started reading my book. Like I really <laughs> didn't like, I, I, I wasn't, uh, that much into this match because, and I'm going to sound like a broken record here. Not only is Tony Storm not being featured, but the most dominant woman that they have on the roster is nowhere near this shit. It, she feels like Cody Rhodes, Jade Cargill, should be in on this shit. In fact, you could have Jamie Hayter and Willow Nightingale fighting for the TBS title to get to Jay Cargill. Or fighting for the TBS title and then you put Jade Cargill in the in in okay. the in the heavyweight okay. championship be- okay. because she is a star. She's a star. She's a star. She's, She's a, a big, big bright shining star. star. Okay? So if Jade Cargill's not there, and like I said, I'm not trying. I'm not trying to be a, a, a hater on Soraya. She just never really did it for me. I don't get it. I think that Tony Storm is awesome. I think that Britt Baker's awesome. I think that Jamie Hader's awesome. Uh, okay, know. okay, two beer. You got the pencil. What the fuck are we gonna do with Jade? Because obviously she's not going to be TBS champion for long. Who does a why is why are they keeping Jade? Uh, why is he keeping Jade away from Britt Baker? Okay, a and then b. Who does Jade drop the title, the TBS title to at some point? Britt Baker first, Jade second. Go. What do you What do you mean, Britt Baker first? Why is Why is the fact that we we haven't had a Jade versus Britt Baker match? Number one, and number two, who does Jade ultimately lose the TBS championship to at some point? Well, I mean, I think the easiest answer is they didn't want Jade to beat Brit because they don't want Jade to lose either. Um, I don't know who beats her. Um, honestly, if they did do it, I would probably like have Brit beat her uh, because Brit's the you know biggest star in the division and it would help you know if Brit gives a shit about the PBS title then 
Uh, I think that that makes it matter um, more as well. So she is off on her own little island, Jake Cargill is. But she's also still pretty green. You know, she's like early Goldberg right now with like the United States Championship. Like, not a very good worker, but like very over and very obviously a star, um, but just not like ready. Although they'll probably push her there before she is ready because she is such a star. But I don't know. I don't have the answer. Yeah, I, I, I totally get the reasoning that she is green and that you can't put her in big matches. But is she, if you put her in a match with Thunder Rosa when she gets back or with Britt Baker or with Tony Storm, those are veteran wrestlers, people that should be able to carry somebody like Jade Cargill to a decent match. I'm not, it doesn't always have to be for stars. Like, just tell me a story about something because, uh, you know what? I I've I, I know that I I sound I I've probably changed my tune a little bit when it comes to this because when AEW started, it's like man, give me guys like Roosh versus Moxley, give me guys like Roosh versus Hangman, give me give me matches, give me matches, give me Juice Robinson versus Moxley, sure, but eventually, you got to have stories. Like you, you have to, you have to tell me stories, and there's and stories are not schmazes. A schmaz is not a story. MJF versus Yuta. MJF has respect for Yuta. That's something. Like I'm not saying that that might be done, but whatever. No, that's not done. Uh, Cage versus Wardlow. That that's something. Like AEW is very good at telling really long term storytelling. Right. Right. But they had, but they dropped the ball in between, and I think that uh, last night was kind of indicative of that. Like, mm, I agree. I, I'll, I'll go YouTube here. The wrestling was good. I thought. I, I just think the the creative part of it is my biggest problem with a lot of the the AEW from last night. And it pains. It it really does pain me to say it because I have been. So, like, the last year, last two years, have been so incredible. And really, we've been lucky to be along for the ride as wrestling fans and as wrestling podcasters. <laughs> but, like, it is, like, eventually they need to give us something a little bit more. There needs to be something more between Moxley and Hangman Page other than just uh, – they both want the title, like you, and and it can't just be work shoots. It can't be work shoots. You have to have a, you have to have somebody do something to the other one, even if it's by accident. Okay, we're going to talk about Moxley and Paige in here in a little bit, but I thought their segment at the end, Moxley did what he, he needed to do. He was like, "I waited three years, motherfucker." I mean, this is it. I mean, they've they really never faced each other for any t- sort of stakes at any given point. Well, the, the problem is not Moxley because Moxley cut a fucking another, Amazing promo. another yeah, great yeah. fucking babyface promo. John Moxley does a great promo. 
No, I mean, Mox, but I'm serious, though. Moxie's no, I'm serious, too. It's just like we repeat it all the he's, time. He's not the problem. No, he's the, he's the least of the problem. The problem is, for me, AW's got a, a bunch of malcontents in the back, and somebody needs to get these jokers in line. Ricky Starks, greatest fucking tweet of the week. Can somebody tell my coworkers to shut the fuck up? It was perfect. Perfect. And why Shut the, the fuck up. Please, put Ricky Starks on TV. Like, I, like I, I know it's a weekly show, and I know they have a bloated roster, but Ricky Starks is somebody that I have gotten behind. I've gotten behind the Ricky Starks-Powerhouse-Hobbs feud. I want to see Ricky Starks on television. Orange Cassidy, another guy. Pack, the Lucha Brothers. Put them on television. Especially There's not the, enough time. No, no, no. There is enough time. If you stop with some of the bullshit, if Jericho appreciate Jericho Appreciation Society can take a couple weeks off. <laughs> they really can. And I love Jericho and I respect Jericho as much as any wrestling fan out there. He does not have to be on TV as much as he does. And you know what else? You know you love Daddy Magic. I'm getting a little ahead of us again, but Jericho does not need to look as strong as he looked in that main event and Dana Bryan to look as weak as he did. Mm. I think that's more of a, I think that's more of a Chris and Brian thing, uh, working on their their upcoming match um, rather than indicative of like how you're going to present both dudes. I agree. With um, that. Okay, so just present Jericho less. Like I love well, Jericho, I, but he is Hogan in WCW at this whoa, point. Whoa. Oh, no way. Whoa, he's, a little bit, whoa, he's a little bit better easy. worker. He's a little bit better <laughs> Well, and he's, he's giving because, like, so. And he's like older. Bandito, he, well, he's older, that's for sure. Um, doesn't seem like it. Doesn't no, look like thank it. He looks you. 10 years younger. And thank he, you. He's 10 years older, and he looks 10 years younger. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but no, like, I mean, he, yeah, he was in the main event last night. Uh, he's the ROH World Champ against, like, the previous champ. That was an awesome match. Uh, and he gave and gave and gave. Uh, the only reason that he's on, I mean, he is on the show all the time, and it's obvious that Tony does not want to ride a dynamite without him on the show. No, at, at this point, the storyline lately has revolved around Daniel Garcia, True. and it's, it's it's that's the focal point. It's not Jericho as much, even though he is a world champion, the Ocho. So, I mean, he is presented as a big deal, but um, I don't know. I think I think that's I don't want to say it's a necessary evil because I don't see the, the downside that that uh, Bill was talking about, but I feel like he's a necessary part of the show, especially with the vacuum of no elite. All right, so let's let's talk about the next segment then uh, with the acclaimed. Like here are some here here's something fresh, and here is something that we haven't seen. And they're new they're new tag champions. And let let's talk about that segment. <laughs> he says sneaky swerve. <laughs> That's that's what I take about this whole segment. Number one, I, I get I love the fact that they're trying to unite all you wrestling fans, people, who, all that shit. You know, b- red, white, or red, b- blue, black, white, whatever the case may be. I love that shit. Number two, Sneaky Swerve is perfect. It's absolutely perfect because the Swerve is going to be the heel like we all think he's going to be. He's going to have to be sneaky about this shit. Sneaky Swerve was one of the big highlight bullet points to me. Outside of that, it is what it is. The acclaimed are the champs. We said we're just building up to their championship match against uh, Swerve versus Argori, and that's fine. It is what it is. But to me, the two biggest things from it, number one, the fact that, you know, 
Max Caster took time out for 30 seconds that got real for us. And number two, Sneaky Swerve, I'm going to take that away to my grave. I think that's just comedy fucking central. What you think about it, Zach? Sneaky Swerve and scissoring, Sammy and his Twitter ring. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> we didn't start the fire bullshit. Uh, yeah, this was awesome. Uh, it was so good. Uh, this is just like you were talking about earlier. This is so silly, and I would borderline feel embarrassed if somebody walked into my house and saw me enjoying that as much as I did. Thank Does you. that make sense? Yes. Like, uh, I'm just having the greatest time. I am just on a just like cloud nine watching this whole thing. Uh, I Billy still Gunn don't get it. Is, I still Billy don't Gunn, get no, it. It's just, it just works and it just happened. It and does. This is, this is like Rusev day. If, if yes. Vince would have just let it happen. Yes. You know? Yes, I, I agree with that. It's Cooper Rush taking the Cowboys to an undefeated record. It's Rusev Day. It's the same fucking thing. It's so weird because it shouldn't work, and it's working. Yeah. If you had told me, I don't know, three years ago when this thing started, that, hey, uh, in three years, uh, you're going to be very happy to watch a segment starring Billy Gunn, and he's going to be more over than he's been since 1998. No, no, no. They, they were. Billy the and Chuck Aquain, were over. The Aquain are more over than oh, Billy sure. and Chuck were. Okay. Are you kidding me right now? I said, okay. <laughs> I said okay. Anyway, no, don't uh, say, don't just placate me, motherfucker. Just ag- agree with me. Think, Mark. Right, but yeah, they're riding the wave with the acclaimed, and I love it. Um, and you know, you can get them back for a third match with Swerve and uh, Keith Lee, maybe, and uh, then maybe that's what splits the Swerve and Keith Lee because both of those have potential to be uh, top guys. Agreed. Uh, so you know. Uh, so I was watching this last night. I actually put my book down. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> National, National Scissoring Day, you should put your book down. Uh, Flights by Olga Tokarczuk. Uh, it is a, it's a delight. It's basically, uh, it's about, it's a, it's a bunch of fictionalized letters, Basically, uh, and thoughts of being on vacation, but a lot of it got hard enough fi- time listening to motherfuckers. Fiction, fictionalized letters for two hours about uh, anatomists yeah, in the 16th about. and 17th century, talking right. about people that eventually start dissecting humans. It's a very interesting book. Mm. Anyway, I looked up from this to watch the acclaim <laughs> because I knew that I should. Because I knew I'd have to talk about it, and I got on, I got on wrestling Twitter and. Uh, while I was watching that, I was thinking, man, that crowd is having fun, and man, those performers are having fun in the middle of the ring. I don't get it. Like, I, in fact, I look at those guys and I think, I, I especially Anthony Bowens, I'm like, this guy is kind of faking it. I don't, I don't know. No, There's no. Just, well, I, his, right. his his he, speech he at the end, I didn't think he was faking that. He no, no, I don't think he was faking it. I think that sometimes he acts like what he thinks a wrestler should look like. I think that's just my opinion. Maybe I see something. You know, I always think about like when I tell whenever I tell my Too mom over the top? Whenever I tell my mom that somebody doesn't like me, 
She's always like, nah, you just probably remind them of somebody that they don't like. <laughs> Which is such a mom, mom thing to say. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, maybe he reminds me of somebody I don't like and I just can't think of it, right? <laughs> but I'm looking at wrestling Twitter and Bischoff is shitting all over this and Bischoff is saying, and I'm out. Because they were doing the scissor party or whatever and there were scissors in the crowd. And all I was doing was watching being like, man, that crowd is Having hype a, for this shit. Having an amazing time. Having a great time. God bless and you. here's a couple young wrestlers with this old wrestler, and they did not expect to be here being scissor me daddy. And but everybody's like, over. Getting over. So, and th- I quote tweeted Eric Bischoff. I said, we said, I and I'm out. By the way, he wasn't out. He just kept retweet. He just kept tweeting through the entire fucking AEW of course. Dynamite. Of course. It's like, tweet through it, you fucking dork. But, um, <laughs> It's like, I don't like... Okay, so Eric Bischoff could never come on the podcast ever again. Find me, Bischoff. <laughs> oh, yeah, Jesus friend of the show. Christ. Shit, I forgot. I, yeah, dumbass. I don't like the acclaimed, but I don't begrudge stuff that works or people having a good time. Later dork is what I said to Eric Bischoff. Because even though I might not get it, no. if they are over, that just means better wrestling for me. Because the next time they fight somebody in a big match, I'm going to be watching it. And wrestling is always better with a hype crowd. Yes. So, even though I don't get it, I don't begrudge it because there are people there are people that don't like what I like. That is the thing about wrestling. There's something for everybody, and everybody can have a good time. I thought this segment was tremendous, even though I didn't get it. <laughs> I, I I watched it. I watched it like an anthropologist. I mean, basically, you know what I mean. And uh, I, I'm not. I, You'll never find me shitting. You'll never find me shitting on something that's over. Never. I love the. I'm one of the, the the many that love the acclaimed, but I just don't get the scissory daddy thing, and I n- probably never will. But I agree with everything you just said. It works. The crowd loves it. Not. It's none of my business. If you like it, it's I, none of my business. Yeah. I'm if all, you, if I, I'm. Uh, you can't see me, but I'm pointing around to a bunch of people that aren't here. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. hey, if you like it, it's fine. If you like it, it's fine. It doesn't matter to no. me as long as it's over. Because wrestling is supposed to make people have fun. And the acclaimed are super over. Yes, and they're it's making people have fun. Daddy ass is super so, over. So God fucking bless Yeah, Yeah, uh, like I said, for me, it's, it, it it doesn't work, but I, I catch me giggling every now and then. I'm just like, God damn. Damn it. Well, Billy Gunn is having the time, time of his, his life. life. This is his DX part two. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Nobody, he's the only one that never had a, a second really DX run after DX, you know, had their gory run. Triple H, obviously. You know, Shawn Michaels, obviously. You know why? You know why? His real name's Monty Kip. Stop. You can't get over with a name like Monty Kip. Two beer, go. <laughs> yes, uh, DX. To scissor me boogaloo, <laughs> but we had He's Hangman Adam Page versus Roosh in a totally fine match. The most good wrestlers. It's another kind of kind of um, you know the whole deal here. Uh, you know, story of the show. Uh, you know, solid wrestling matches, but uh, Page wins with a buckshot lariat. Uh, MGF looking on, and um, the best part was uh, you know Mox coming out cutting his shit, talking about the respect he has for uh, Paige and uh, what he's done and who he is, but also how it doesn't matter once the bell rings because he's John Moxley. And uh, Hangman, 
you know, does a thing, you know, let's just fight right now. It's pretty common from Hangman. Cowboy shit. He's like always ready to fight. He's always ready to throw down. Uh, and then Mox uh, does a little bit of work shoot. Um, you know, basically saying he's a sweet kid, but uh, like a lot of these sweet kids around here, your uh, mouth's going to get you into trouble. Mm-hmm. And uh, so watch your damn mouth. And then music hits and he rolls out of the ring. And yeah, I was about to say, come on, TK. I'm like, oh, oh, come on, TK. Just, just put the music on. Everybody just walks away, please. Everybody walks away. This is even before <laughs> I thought I, I have, even heard about uh, Sammy and uh, Andrade backstage. I have one note on this on this match between Roosh and Hangman. One note, and this is it. No mustache. <laughs> <laughs> what about a wrestler with uh, no mustache that wears uh, very short jean shorts over tight? That's fine as long as he doesn't have a beard. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> God damn. Although, this right, shit, um, Dar- Darby Allen might have a beard, though. Yeah, I don't, I know, say, I don't, know, what, I don't know what her name is. You didn't. You said I don't know what her name is. That's some fucked up shit. <laughs> just kidding. We're LGBTQ uh, friendly. I'm just joking. Oh my god! It's a joke. <laughs> it's a play on words. Go, 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 go! Make sure my niece is okay. Jesus Christ! This motherfucker here. Go ahead, Tobi. Finish it up. They're still going on with this Chris and Cage uh, thing. So we're going to have next Wednesday, um, Lucasaurus and Jungle Boy uh, in Toronto. So that should be a hot crowd because it's the first time mm-hmm. in Toronto. And Toronto's a good wrestling city. So this will this is cool. No, I and agree. Yeah. Had, as, oh, much, as much as I don't – no, I'm just jumping there for 30 seconds. As much as I don't like the – Christian, Christian, Luchasaurus, Jungle Boy feud because Christian's not in it as much as he should be, as he needs to be. Toronto should be hot next Wednesday night, and that should make it a, a, a much more of an interesting match than what I think it should be coming into it. Totally. And then we got the tag match. Main event, Daniel Garcia and Brian Danielson uh, versus Chris Jericho and Sammy Guevara. Um you know, everybody in here is a very good wrestler. This is mm-hmm. a very good tag team match. Uh, but, of course, the, the big story is, is Daniel Garcia. And, you know, we had a brutal slam. Uh, Jericho went to slam uh, Brian through a table. Uh, and he just bounced off Tarway's title belt. And the table didn't break. So then he suplexed him into it and uh, to break the table. Then he grabbed the belt. And, uh, you know, Sammy does, like, a shooting star press off the top that Garcia gets his knees up and reverses into a sharpshooter. Or they call it something else in the university, and it's a sharpshooter. And the Dragon Slayer. Dragon Slayer, yeah. Because uh, he, yeah. He tapped uh, out with Danielson with it. Makes sense. Uh, and, but Jericho nails Garcia with the ROH title belt. So Sammy gets the pin over Garcia. Garcia is visibly upset afterwards, and you know there's a lot of celebrating from Jericho Appreciation Society and Sammy in particular. Uh, on the shoulders of everybody, and yeah, and Jericho is looking like not not distraught, but a little regretful, maybe about Torn. what he did. But mostly, I think regretful in the sense that I don't think he really wants to see Daniel Garcia go. He doesn't right. want to let Daniel Garcia right. go. And he feels regretful 
in that. And it could just be selfish regret. Like I'm not saying this is a face turn situation. No. It's just that he thinks the Jericho Appreciation Society is lesser without him and Agreed. Blackpool Combat Club is stronger. So it's like, man, I really should like do something to patch this situation up. So that's where I, I really like this because it is a long longer burn mm-hmm. and it's a compelling television and it's a good story. So um yeah, this was uh, this was a highlight. No, I I agree with you totally. I thought the match was good. Um, the fact that you really didn't see Jericho celebrate because he did what he had to do, and that's and that's one. Even when and that's a heel move, you do what you had to do. But even post match, when they had the camera shot where you know you had Garcia ro- uh, you know, like holding his head, rubbing his head, or whatever, and then. You could see Jericho not necessarily celebrating just yet with Sammy and uh, JS, but then he eventually went over there. You could see, and I don't necessarily agree with the MJF, you know, teasing of the heel turn. I don't think that's going to happen. I just think that's just MJF going to be, you know, we're teasing it for the moment. This, he, and I'm not saying this is a face turn either, but. They, this tease makes more sense b- just because of the storyline that's presented to us. I didn't know there was a Will Uter MJF storyline until last night. This has been presented to us, so I'm just taking it for what it's worth. Jericho did not necessarily look too pleased post-match. He did what he had to do to win, but he wants uh, Daniel Garcia to come with. I want you to. Co- I want you to see your error of the ways. You know, I had to teach you this lesson, but in Jericho's mind, I want you to come back over after the fact. You know, you took the L, but you had to take the L so you can come back over. Ultimately, I think Daniel Garcia goes back to over to Jericho Appreciation Society. I, I'm probably wrong, but. Yeah, you've been claiming that shit for a long, a long time. time I said Dom and fucking Ray were going beef. And I said that for a long time, too. It just oh, yeah, took a couple a real, years. That was a real... <laughs> it just took a couple years. Oh, uh, Ray Mysterio's wrestling with his kids. I said trios titles. I said trios titles. That happened. Wow. I'm telling you, man, I'm the Negro Domus in this motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, that's really... Yeah, you're really putting yourself out on a limb there, being like, are Ray Mysterio and his kid are going to fucking wrestle. Uh, this was fine. Like I said, I think that Daniel or Brian Danielson is being. I mean, maybe this is just. Maybe I'm overstating it. I just think that he's being misused. I think that he should be higher on the card. I don't like him. Get, I don't like him getting dominated by Jericho. The Daniel Garcia thing is it definitely intriguing. I am not. I am not shitting on that storyline. I just don't know why Jericho is getting that much offense on Daniel Bryan. You know that Danielson himself is just like super giving all the time. Like he was, he basically has to be forced to win matches. Sure. Like so, maybe I'm all not, the time. Maybe I'm not blaming Danielson, or maybe I'm not blaming Tony Khan. Maybe I'm blaming Danielson. Maybe I'm saying take a little bit more here, dude. <laughs> yeah. Uh, honestly. I- this, I think that I oh, sorry. I think that Brian Danielson is the best wrestler in the world. Okay, and I think that he should be treated as the best wrestler in the world. ZSJ is on your hit list next, and I think that Brian Danielson 
should be doing more with that. I think that he should be the champion right now because he's not going to wrestle forever. I mean, who knows? Maybe he'll wrestle another 15 years. No but, shit. Magic but, was supposed to die in 92. I would I, I would rather see Brian Danielson on top of the world than uh, what he's doing right now. I probably would have uh, had him win over Moxley. I thought he was going to win over Moxley, and obviously we, I said that, you know, coming into it. Um, I don't know. I just – MJF, and, and it's not a knock against MJF. I'm an MJF guy. I'm assuming you guys are too. It's he's fun. <laughs> as long as you didn't pour, you know pour wing sauce on this fucking uh, scarf, you should be good to go. Um, I'll pour wing sauce on this fucking scarf. Come find me, MJF. Jesus Christ, <laughs> child! God like, damn! I, if he was here right now, I'd pet him like a lap dog. <laughs> I was 16 years old when he was born. I guess my problem with this, and it's not even a problem, is just you know what do you do with the pencil going forward? MJF is the is the specter, whether wh- whomever the champion is, whether it's Anna Page, whether it's John Moxley, whether it's Brian Danielson, somebody is going to have to lose to MJF, and that's where I think you know you're going to have to figure out how it's going to do, how it works, whatever the case may be, just. Inhale, you're good to go. Speaking of how does it work, how does this just thing inhale, work? motherfucker. I just I'm talking to you on and I'm which, doing the same on thing. On which too. side? The the other side. That side, right there. Just inhale. Just inhale. How hard is it gonna hit? Six of ten? Holy shit. I remember my first time. <laughs> Think Mark. <laughs> I'll just say this. I just think that in this scenario. Now hold on a second, Zach. You should see this thing though. Like it's like it's a little like, jacked up. I'm not like a huge not fan of it. It's not even the size of a pinky. It's like you've never seen. Uh, it's about the size of your ring finger. Yeah, and but you've never seen anything like it. I don't. No. I don't appreciate what Zach just said about. I, <laughs> anyway. I thought we were going to sneak that one, Joker. In. Um, MJF is the the specter of this whole thing, and. That has to be figured out first. Uh, uh, it AEW is so confounding to me is the more and more I start to talk about it is that it should be so easy, and it's not. And that's my frustration with AEW right now. It's super hard. And, I mean, TK and a lot of people in, that, you know, criticize it as well, like they want their favorite guy to win or whatever. But like, they they protect a lot of guys, um, a lot, a lot. Like, how Sammy not getting sent like, home too? That's my question. I mean, apparently, apparently he didn't fight. No, you know, like yeah, he, look, motherfucker, you you called him a jobber. I, how I do you think this shit's going to fa- end up at the end of the day? I don't know. I don't know what's going on backstage, but I do know that they are stacked to the gills with talent. At a certain point, though, you have to make a commitment to. Thank you. 
Somebody else is jumping over on my side. I mean, mean, no, no, no. I'm not. Listen, stop acting like you're Negro Negro Domus. Come on over. Come on over. You're you're not saying anything that's crazy, though. Like, you're just saying. No, I just I said it before everybody else did. You can just come on over now. But the the, the roster is too bloated. What did I say last? The last pay-per-view they have. How many many wrestlers did they have on that pay-per-view? Wasn't it like 50 or something? Mm. Or like 54 or something? Like it's it's like a, fourteen matches and a lot of them are multi man. It's a yeah. it's a ridiculous amount of talent that they have, but at a certain point, you have to you have to commit to some guys. Like I don't like, I, I can't believe I'm going to say this. I don't like watching Dynamite and not having Orange Cassidy on, or not Holy having the best friends shit. on. Shit. No, I'm serious. I don't like not having Ray Phoenix on. Like those are guys, those are guys that I want to watch. Those are guys that are interesting. Totally to fair, me, you know. They should uh, just do seasons, right? Well, I Rotate. think that I think that I think Orton brought this up like a long, long time ago, like almost twenty, not twenty years ago, fifteen years ago, where he was like, "We should have an off season." He's yeah, like, we're on eight months on, and right? Then, like after WrestleMania, there should be an off season. The thing is that you can't do that because there are only there's so many pay per views and some pay per views. Especially in WWE, pay more than other pay per views. I, I don't know. I, I don't know the answer, and that's where I probably sound like an asshole because I'm just saying, oh, it's fucked up. But I don't have a solution. I'm just saying, if you have a guy like Claudio Castagnoli, he shouldn't be in backstage. How is why is he not on the show every time? Right. You know, right? If you have a guy, that's what that's what I'm saying. ROH needs its own deal. Yeah, so those but, guys but, can but, at least get TV time. I mean, damn. All right. That's going to do it. Unless you guys have no, anything I'm, else. Yeah. I mean, we've we only can, talked we, about we, for we, an we, hour and a fucking we, half. Do we can go down this rabbit hole all day long? No. Actually, there was a there was a backstage segment with uh, Willow Knight. No, go ahead. So <laughs> the three count, uh, because we don't have a lot else to talk about. So this weekend... Saturday night, which is advantageous for your boy. One of them. Bill oh, I'm sure two of them. Bill Vey. Two beer, you're off on Saturdays, yeah. Hunter Thirst Helmsley. <laughs> I, yes, am, uh, I, I am home with the baby. Aaron is closing, bartending, so uh, I will be here. You get to watch it all by yourself. Well, unless Vice is coming over, but I will be here watching. Uh, you can come over so if you ju- want to. Yeah, go. Everybody, just hold my the hold my six table station down. I'm gonna drive to St. Charles, collect my tips. I'll come back later after the fact. You can't handle the six table station from dude, St. Got- Charles to back and forth. <laughs> well, they need waters. You got a hostess. Anyway, I will be uh, I'll be watching it live. I think, but this you know, Extreme Rules in the past has looked pretty shitty. And this one looks okay. It's it, it's. I'm, I'm sorry. I should say okay. It's good. more than okay. No, it's more it than okay. Good. It's above average. Plus, it's there's above been ex- average. there's been extreme rules pay per views in the past that have only had one extreme rule match, right. and every single one of these match, every single one of these matches has a stipulation, and they're different, and that's all I can ever ask. So at it's this pretty point. pretty fun. So um, let's start off with Bianca Belair versus Bailey in a ladder match. So, 
I will start with Jason Cornelius Bell. What do you think, Jason? Well, God damn it. I, was, I thought this was going to be last, but it's going to be first, so let's just get it out the way. So that's obviously, what they say in the Bible. The last <laughs> shall be first, and the first shall be last. That, that's why I'm probably going to hell after that fact, because I did not know that shit. Um, obviously, Oscar was taken out. Obviously, Alexa Bliss was taken out. This is where I think if you're going to bring Sasha and Naomi back, this is where you're going to do it so that way you can even the odds and have ultimately Bianca Belair go over. I'm taking Bianca Belair, even if it's Bianca versus the world, I'm taking Bianca Belair to retain the WWE Women's Championship. Two beers, Zach Pullman, who you got? Uh, Maybe taking a little bit of a risk here, but I'm going to go Bailey because I think it's more interesting. I had already written it down. I had Bailey written down. I'm going Bailey because I think that you, if you have a babyface champion like Bianca Belair, whose whole thing is how crazy of an athlete she is and how fucking dominant she is, then if she's going to lose, it's gonna she's going to lose in something like a ladder match because oh. then she does not have to get pinned. I'll just say this, uh, Charlotte in the on-deck circle hasn't really been talked about and just came out on a interview that says she wants to wrestle Bianca Belair at some point. Bianca has defeated all of the other three or all the other four of the horsewomen, Bailey, um, shit, Sasha, Why didn't Becky. she say that? What? So she's already beat Bailey? I'm assuming she will beat Bailey. I think she's beat Bailey before. Why did you say that before I made my guess, though? That would have changed my guess. Look, that's not... That's on you. I would have changed my guess. That's on you. That's not on me. Uh, Coming up next, we have... Motherfucker. In a strap match, Drew McIntyre versus Karrion Cross. We're going to start with Zach this time. And I've already written mine down. I just... I want to let everybody know I've already written mine down. Much to my chagrin... Uh, I think Karrion Cross is going to win this because I think he's a newer act. Um, you know, you're trying to get people to forget about the, you know, Mad Max, Beyond Thunderdome, Karrion Cross, and uh, you don't have him lose with the highest profile match that he's ever had in his entire career. Um, and he should win it if they're going to try to make something out of him. If they're not, then he'll lose it, but I think that they're going to give him a shot, uh, give him a push, and he's going to win this one. Uh, McIntyre can absorb it. Uh, Karen Cross has a valet in what's her face, Scarlet, and shenanigans can happen. I'm going Karen Cross also. <laughs> Mad Max. <laughs> I'm taking Cross too. If you're gonna if you're gonna do things that are different than the the Vince regime as Triple H, this is one of them things you need to do. Cross needs to go over. I don't care how he goes over. The fireball the week before was weak. I get where you're going with it, and I understand it. But fireball was weak, but we're going to make it up with it on Saturday night. Carrying Cross goes over. I mean, what would be the point of Carrying Cross losing? It, it's it's just to keep Drew strong. Um, I do always think about that time that Brock Lesnar came back and they lost to Cena in the very first match at Extreme Rules. Actually, did that? Okay, I, I, I will take your word for that. Anger of a match, by the way, one of the best Brock Lesnar matches there is. Okay, John John Cena, Brock Lesnar, Extreme Rules, like 2012 or something. 
Uh, and Brock lost that match? Yeah. His first wow. match back. Wow. It was the first match after he returned. After, after UFC. Yes. Okay. No, I'm not I'm not saying you're wrong. I just I don't remember it. And I and I'm just saying honestly, I just don't remember it. No, it's it was pretty dumb at the time. We were like, why the fuck did you me and you stood outside Jack Patrick's and screamed at each yeah. other? Like I can see why that. Why would you bring back Bach Lesnar and then not have him go over? Yeah, okay. All right. So we got the <laughs> the Brawling Brutes, which is Rich Holland, Butch, aka Pete Dunn and Sheamus, versus Imperium, which is Gunther. Giovanni Vinci. Look at you. I know. And oh shit. Oh, oh Jesus no. Christ. Oh, I forgot oh, the other damn. one's name. Ludwig uh, Kaiser. Ludwig Kaiser. How yes. did I forget that one? <laughs> that was my grandfather's name. Ludwig Kaiser Beggy. No, say I just pulled that one out of my ass. I'll go first. Um I, I love this match. I I just hate the fact that they call it a diaper. Just call it a you know six man, no DQ, whatever. Um, I'm gonna go prone brutes on this one. I, I I have no actually I have the reason why because I, ex- I expect Gunther slash Walter to retain on Friday night. So in typical WWE fashion. I expect him to go on the back end, give the Braun Brutes the back end on the pay-per-view. I got the Braun Brutes. I'll go next. I think that you can definitely have the Braun Brutes get a win back here and not have to pin Gunther. So they'll pin Giovanni Vinci probably. Or maybe Ludwig Kaiser because he's the one that's taking all the chops from Walter all the time. So I'm going to go to the Brutes also. What do you got, Zach? I'm going to be the point of differentiation here. Um, nice. Love it. I I also think that maybe Sheamus wins the title on Friday. Ooh. And look at you. Imperium gets their win back. Should have added that, that way to the predictions, honestly. Okay, no. I'll, look, I would t- keep my prediction as the same. I think Gunther slash Walter retains right. we'll on Friday. In. Okay, we'll throw that prediction in. I'll, I'll I'll go with that, and that's why I'm predicting the Braun Brutes on Saturday. Okay, who, who you got on Friday? So wait, so you're going? I'm going Gunther on and, Friday, exactly and then Braun Brutes, and then he's got alter the alternate. He's got Sheamus on Friday, and an Imperium on Saturday. No, I'm going with you. I'm going Gunther and the Braun Brutes. Okay, there you go. Um, Smart man. We have Edge versus Finn Balor in an I quit match. Now, I want to ask both of you. When's the last time a baby face actually said the words, I quit? Mm. I can't. Now, I, baby, I faces, can't. baby faces have lost, but it's usually become because... Somebody else comes in right. and says, I quit for them. A queen. Be- because a queen. of that reason. Because of that reason. I'm going to say that Beth Phoenix says, I quit for Edge. And I'm going to take Van Balor. Okay. I've seen a lot of people, and I've said it. I, th- I thought Beth Phoenix is going to be a part of this match. I just thought the opposite way around where she helps Edge win the match. I can honestly say, and I'm sure somebody on, you know, friends of BFR or BFR pod on Twitter is going to correct me on this. 
I can't honestly say that I can't remember a baby face saying I quit clean in any pay-per-view that I can well, think of. I mean, Foley did Foley lost to The Rock as man. That wasn't clean. That wasn't but clean. They recorded his voice saying I quit or something. So, like I said, right. <laughs> fuckery. That's not fuckery. That's, that's just, fuckery. That's just strategy, bro. No, number one, um, Rock Rock beat that mankind's ass with that chair like nobody's business to the point where I can cringe. That was that was the match. Yeah, the outside the. It was a empty stadium match. Uh, it was the same. No, I'm thinking of the one that was on the movie outside or uh, yeah, beyond the ring, yeah. beyond the mat. Yeah, yeah. That was that. Yeah, but that wasn't an empty stadium. Because his family was... No, it was uh, Royal Rumble. I'm sorry. It was Royal Rumble. Okay, that's what I thought. It was Uh, Royal Rumble. Okay, So you're taking Edge? I'm going to take Edge. Um, Honestly, I think this is a scenario where... It just... It makes too much sense for Edge to go over. And I'm not saying it's going to be... I see Ray down there. I see everybody and their mama down there. Somehow, someway, Edge is going to come out of this because... Ultimately, it's not about Edge. It's about Roman Reigns. And Roman Reigns is the champion. Heel champion. Edge is If Edge is going to be the number one babyface, like everybody's telling me, without Cody Rhodes, he should win this no... I'm sorry, this I quit match. I'm taking Edge. Man, you just convinced me. I feel like changing my pick. God damn it. He got <laughs> Zach. Uh, I'm taking Finn Balor. Nice. Because uh, with Finn Balor, you know, Finn's no spring chicken. Edge is definitely no spring chicken. But Finn looks younger, seems, you know, more he's connected like, to, like, he's like the younger age. generation. He's like 40. Yeah. Okay, he's so. Like early 40s. All right, so let's just say for the sake of argument, Finn Balor does win. What it, once again, with the pencil, what do you do with Finn Balor? Because at this point... No, then it turns into a whole Finn Balor and Rhea Ripley versus Edge and... Uh, uh, Beth Phoenix. Beth Phoenix match. Okay. For the, yeah. for the next paper. That, okay. Okay. That works. Okay. Uh, but yeah, nope. I just feel like you're doing more with Finn Balor. Uh, Edge is just bad, and maybe this is where, you know, Finn's, you know... With the Judgment Day, you know, he starts to get a little bit more shine. Remember, he was the first Universal Champion and then really just hasn't done shit except got booted back to NXT to, to you know, boost some ratings. His, it did work. Hey, that NXT run was no joke. It was great. But at, at the same time, like, you know, he hasn't got his, you know, due diligence. You know, I do miss the, are we get you know, we get like a Judgment Day entrance or do we get like the actual like Finn Balor entrance? Like, uh... I don't know. Uh, I think Finn should win because I think they should do more with Finn. Okay. Shit. Love it. Uh, we have Matt Riddle versus Seth Rollins in the fight pit where, uh, if you've watched the NXT fight pits, it's kind of like a contraption. kind of looks like if you've ever watched uh, The Challenge <laughs> on MTV, <laughs> Real World Road Rules Challenge, or just The Challenge as it's called later. I, Jason and I can do a whole other podcast. <laughs> but it looks like a contraption in that. And you have Daniel Cormier. Now, I didn't want to bring this up earlier. I'll go first here. Okay. I didn't want to bring this up earlier because I didn't uh, want to give away shit. my hand. But I'm going to give my way. Now, you have to because you have to give your pick. 
Daniel Cormier is going to get in on the Seth Rollins side to set up a Daniel Cormier-Matt Riddle fight because they're both MMA guys. So, I am taking Seth Rollins to win. Wow. Jason, you go next. I did not see that coming at all. Um, I'm just going to keep it simple. I've never predicted anything right, by the way. So this is this. There's no way this will ever happen. Every time I predict something, it does not come out correct. So. The lead cold, the lead cold stone lock of the week is coming up. So you, we're going oh, to get to that. Yeah, oh, we're well, going to get to that in a second. I, fe- I knew it was coming cold, out. My lead cold stone lock of the week. How stoned are you? <laughs> All right, I'm Barry. Um. I'm taking not uh, would you? Uh, I took Rollins. Okay, I'm taking Matt Riddle just for the simple fact that Seth Rollins took game one. Matt Riddle takes game two, and then game three is up for grabs. Whatever you want to do, it Survivor Series, whatever the case may be. Fight pitch should be for Matt Riddle, even with Daniel Cormier in this match. I love the fact that you threw that swerve out there. I love it. I love it. Seth Rollins is not going to win two matches in a row. All right, what do you think, Zach? Uh, I think this is Matt Riddle because it's just Matt Riddle's uh, gimmick, and they'll have a rubber match, and they'll have to make another decision that's harder than this one. I think this is the match I'm looking forward to the most. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, The build has been amazing. Amazing. The the build's been really good. Even some of the shit Seth Rollins was saying about Riddle's family the other night, I was like, God Mm -hmm. damn. I was like, that's what I'm talking about. That's not true. That's what I'm talking about. That's some fucked up shit. No, no, no. Rub that shit in his face. All right. So here we go. (laughs) Last match, we got Liv Morgan versus Ronda Rousey for the women's. Two matches. What else? No, we talked about Bianca Barri. Never mind. Yeah, thank you. Uh, we got Lib Morgan versus Ro- or versus Ronda Rousey. <laughs> I just have RR written. I almost said Roman Reigns. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, in an extreme rules match, which is basically just an anything goes. I know who I know who I think I know who I'm, I know. You're, who, you're already locked in. I know who I'm taking. <laughs> Two beer, go ahead. <laughs> Uh, definitely Ronda Rousey. God, I gotta be the tiebreaker in this bitch. Um, I honestly see both sides. What do you mean tiebreaker? Can you see my pick? You got Liv. No, I didn't, I haven't picked yet. You have Liv. That was your Stone Cold Lock of the Week for like two weeks. Okay. Okay. So I'm going uh, under the assumption. You know me so well. That you have Liv Morgan, unless you're going to change. Liv gets to keep her lunch money. <laughs> I already got it written down. Okay, so. that's fine. I'm assuming you have Liv. Obviously, Two Beard took uh, Ronda Rousey. For me, like I said, Liv Morgan in this scenario needs a clean win. I have a very hard problem with me digesting the fact that Liv Morgan beats Ronda Rousey to begin with. Not once, not twice, but dare I say thrice in an extreme rules match? That's hard for me to swallow. So who you taking? I'm taking Liv Morgan. I'm taking Ronda Rousey. As what my, the fuck? As my Stone Cold Lead Pipe Lock of the Week. How are you going to take the, the... 
You took. I took. I've been calling Liv off the entire time. I've been saying that Liv's going to lose the entire time. This is predictable, and predictable is not always bad. Ronda Rousey wins my Stone Cold Lead Pipe Lock of the fucking week. Wow, wow. Okay, two beer. Am I, I can't I, believe you took Liv. You look like a fucking idiot right now. <laughs> <laughs> Hey man, fuck you, number one, for laughing. Fuck you, number two, for changing your fucking pick for like two weeks. It's been Liv Morgan. It's been Liv Morgan. It's been Liv Morgan. It's been Liv. How is it a Stone Cold Lock of the Week? Never mind. That's my Stone Cold Lock of the Week. I remember him saying Rousey the whole time. No. No. Uh -uh. No, I did say that I was going to stick with Liv last week. Yes, thank you. But last week, we were all banged up. I know, and I still remember that shit. And you going to sit up here and talk about me like a motherfucking asshole? Fuck you. Fuck you. You're cool. The cops are being called right now. Right. The black man's running. We got a runner. They can hear you for fucking miles, man. We got a runner. All right, so... Uh, Zach, are you going to be watching this pay-per-view? Um, absolutely. Although, uh, Saturday, so my son, he just turned 13, uh, on mm -hmm. Wednesday. Dexter and so, 13. uh, we're having a sleepover with some boys and, oh, Jesus um, we're like taking them to trampoline park and like stuff like that. So, um, I, I won't watch it live, I'm sure, because um, it'll probably start at like 4 o'clock out here, and I'll be like a trampoline park. So, All right. uh, But I will watch it 100% when I get home on Saturday. So the Dex man is turning 13. 13. He's already. And so yesterday. I, I want to I tell the story again about the first time that Zach and I ever <laughs> met, which is at, at a wake for somebody, I shouldn't be laughing somebody at that, that part. died in Calhoun. And so Dexter must have been like three I mean, we, he was even younger. Well, yeah, we've been married. Aaron and I have been married for 10 years, so he would have been like two. And he was like. Yeah, because my daughter, my daughter was born the day uh, after your wedding. So. Right, right. So we were walking through this wake line, and here's this kid, and there's a lamp on a little table. I know I've told this story before, but it's a really good story. I love it every time. But the, the kid is trying to make the lamp fall over from the table by stomping the floor. Now this turns out to be Dexter Pullman. I didn't know I didn't know that at the time, but I was staying behind them in the wake line, and I go, "Looks like HBK is tuning up the band." <laughs> and Zach was standing like ten feet away from me. He's like, "What did you just say?" <laughs> and BFR uh, BFR was born <laughs> first time. First time we ever met, we shook hands. I was like, "Hey, I'm Bill." He's like, "Hey, I'm Zach." Uh, <laughs> But that that was a. Do you remember that, Zach? Or do you just remember me telling the story? It was really yeah, funny. No. Dexter was being really funny. He was just like stomping it like every six <laughs> seconds. He was like, don't. Like with one. It's with, wavering. <laughs> it's like, okay. Well, like, come on, one, man. One, ba one leg pinned behind him, too. So he had like all the, all the momentum like stomping forwards, you know? Really funny though. Uh, He's watched his HBK tapes. God bless that dad. Uh, I will be watching this pay per view live. I think, and uh, I am looking forward to it. Maybe with uh, the baby girl 
crawling all over me because she's staying up. I late, love later Saturday night pay per views, man. I love it. Like yeah, if I didn't have stuff going on, I wish it's it started so cool because I don't do anything on the weekends. Anyway. Okay, thank you. I love it, but I have shit to do on Monday. So exactly. if we're going to do a Saturday pay per view, it needs to start early for me. God damn it! I gotta work I'm at four. You, <laughs> Clash of the Castle fucking ruled, dude. It was, it was like at noon. noon. It was perfect. It was absolutely <laughs> all perfect. On okay, I'm just I'm just matching up socks. I was like, yeah, I can fucking sit here for eight hours. You couldn't stop me from folding clothes. You could just bring me other people's clothes. I'm and just a little gun. Slide the basket underneath me. I just keep folding clothes. I'm getting mad at Drew McIntyre. It's perfect. I'm walking to the door mad at work like, fuck Drew McIntyre. All right, so before we go, we should say a very uh, respectful RIP to Antonio Inoki, who passed away last week. He is the founder of New Japan Pro Wrestling. He passed away at his home at the age of 79. Huge star. Uh, He was born in 43, founded New Japan Pro Wrestling at age 29, had a match with Muhammad Ali in 1976, which was kind of a precursor to the mixed martial arts sport. Um, Has a whole book written about it, just that one match, by the way. It's a uh, like something page book. I would love to read that. What's it called? Uh, I'd have to look it up. Yeah, and send it to me, because I would love to read that and listen to it. Um, he was a fucking stud. And uh, Jason, any thoughts on Antonio Inoki? Um, obviously heard about it, and as a, a huge New Japan fan, is you know it's 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 obviously disappointing. But I mean, it's just the circle of the world. I had to look up something that made me feel, you know, um, good about the the passing of Antonio Inoki. He fought, uh, I think it was the Great Antonio and the Great Antonio. And I, I, I'm pretty sure we talked about it on the that, pod. That's who he took his name from. And he had so much respect for him. And the Great not Anto- a lot, not a lot of Antonio's in Japan. Well, no, this is this was a, a a big white guy, for lack of a better term. And he was not selling for Antonio Inoki. And then all of a sudden, Inoki just snapped and just kicked his ass i mean shooting him in the face kicking him in the face you know punches the whole shebang to where the referee stopped the match and obviously antonio noki won um for me that that is like the the serial point for antonio noki he took this craft so seriously and if you're not going to take you know if you're not going to sell my my offensive moves or whatever the case may be, you can see it on Facebook or not on Facebook, but on um, YouTube or whatever. Antonio Noki versus the great Antonio. It's one of the funny, it's funny because at the end, Antonio Noki makes his point. But to me, I guess that's what the great part of Antonio Noki is. He took this craft so seriously even if you're not selling my shit, you're gonna you're going to learn the rule. Yes. I would, I'm going to fuck you up. I would like to recant my thing earlier about saying that was the Antonio they named himself after because you're talking about a totally different thing. And I don't think that guy's name was You know what? I'm gonna stop guessing. We haven't heard Zach's thoughts Please. in it. What do you think, Zach? Um, yeah, I mean 
probably the second most influential dude in wrestling, um, modern wrestling after like Vincent Mann. So, I mean, just absolutely huge, huge figure. And, um, yeah, this is actually kind of where, um, the wrestling observer newsletter subscription, um, pays for itself. Um, for me, it's not about like the star ratings. Like I don't really care about, uh, you know, what Meltzer gives like stars to, except it's a nice guide for watching, you know, deciding whether to watch uh, our, star rate, our star ratings matter just for the right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Mine, but, um, mine do. he did, uh, an insanely good bio. Um, whenever people die, he, he does, uh, bio write up on them. Um, and, uh, I mean, he's just uh, a fantastic historian. He's actually a really good writer. It's a shame that people, um, you know, he tweets a lot and he gets himself into trouble and says some stuff. But it, it, his his newsletter is fantastic. Wait a minute, it's, it's did a great Dave value. Meltzer die? <laughs> I'm just I'm just saying. Are you eulogizing Dave Meltzer <laughs> when Antonio Inoki I'm, just let died? The, let, the, let the man I'm getting, finish. I'm just getting to the point that uh, it's worth <laughs> like a sub if you just want to read it. Uh, otherwise, there's more books written about Inoki than any other wrestler in, in history. So re- read one of those. But, like, if you're unfamiliar with the dude, which, I mean, he's before our time, so it's not like we're all, any of us are hyper-familiar with him, but he was just such an important figure, and uh, it was just really cool reading that bio. Oh, get that. Thanks bet, for New Japan. I'll, I'll go that far. I, I bet if you flew to Zach's house right now and you just, like, grabbed underneath his chin and pulled back, the mask would come off to beat Dave Meltzer and be like, subscribe, <laughs> subscribe, subscribe. <laughs> I would have had more subscription if you weren't for you little meddling children. Be like the end of a, yeah, <laughs> the end of a Scooby-Doo. Um, <laughs> yeah, he was also, uh, he was also inducted into the WWE. Politician, the whole shebang. They, it, yeah, the dude was a senator. Yeah. He's the biggest star, biggest Japanese wrestling star in history, and nobody will ever be bigger. Bigger than Tanahashi, bigger than Naido, bigger than Ok- so Okada. Here's, it's, it's bigger, than, bigger than Hulk Hogan. Thank was you. Was in America. Thank well, you. Know? While I looked, uh, when I looked him up, when he passed away on Friday, so I looked him up on Saturday, I think, and I was like, man, his real name can't be Antonio, and it's not. You know his name is on Wikipedia? Oh, Jesus. Muhammad Hussein Inoki. And I was like, wait a minute, what the fuck is going on? And then I had to look it up further. He uh, he became Islam in 1990 and changed his name to Muhammad Hussein Anoki. Did not know that. And you know what his first name was when he was born? Oh, Jesus. Barack Obama. Stop. Bill. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I was about to say, hit some shit. <laughs> Fuck, I fucked that up. That should have been louder. <laughs> All right, try it again. Hold on. What was his name? It was Bill. This is banned from ringside. Hey, everybody, we got some birthdays this week. Uh, Bru- speaking of legends, Bruno San Martino would have been 87. R.I.P. He's, oh, you're back on that? No, 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 no. Okay. Shit. All right. No, no, no. Never no. mind. Never mind. No, Never no. mind. Shout out to uh, the dog. I love you, but I'm not going to do death versus Canadian. I'm not going to do it. What'd you do? Oh, Jesus. Aaron's calling. She's on the way home. We're still podding. Okay. Uh, <laughs> demolition smash. How old do you think he is? Demolition smash. 63. Oh, no. I hung up on 
<laughs> Mama gonna be mad. What the fuck are you doing? Did you say 63 for Demolition Smash? Yes. Am I right? Yeah, you're right. Demolition nice. Smash is 63. Zach, you here? Yep. All right, oh, cool. Jesus. Uh, Manu. <sighs> 52. No, he's only 38. Uh, Rhino. Still alive. Um, yeah, still alive. Of yeah. course. Uh, how 55. old do you think he is? 55. He is 53. Damn it. Uh, Aiden English. Where's Aiden English, man? He is commentating in uh, Impact Wrestling. Um, I'm going to go with 41. He rules. He's 35. Shit. That's really young. Paul, Bur- Paul Burchill is 43. The Miz. Alive. 42. Eddie Guerrero. Would have been 55. R.I.P. That's tough. Stevie Richards of Right to Censor fame. Yo, boy. Uh, is 51. Uh, he is four years younger than Eddie Guerrero. That means that he was a very young man when he was doing that Right to Censor shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dusty Rhodes. R.I.P. Would have been 77. Rikishi is only 56. That is crazy. That is mind-blowing. Uh, Taz is 55. Tony Chimel is 55. Ricochet is 34. Rhea Ripley is 26. Karen Jarrett is 50. Ooh la la. She mm. was only that much older than me. God, that Jarrett, that, that Jarrett angle, angle Woo. in impact in TNA. <laughs> that and um, Edge, um, Matt Hardy, and Lita, two of the best angles. You can, t- you can put top 10. It's on my top Riddick 10. Riddick Moss is 33 years old. Rabbit fever. Everybody, we know there's tons of podcasts to listen to, so we appreciate you guys listening to our podcast. Go to From Dust Till Dawn at Pops on October 22nd, put on by a friend of the show, Joey O'Farrell. Check. Or Murray the Merman Murray for Check. Joey O'Farrell Check. for Patriot Pat. Check. For Vice. Check. For Leo, Stephen Leslie's dog, who's here this week. He's been such a good boy for Reba. Check. For Jimmy Zach Pullman. Check. For Jason Cornelius Bell. Black Lives Matter. Check. Support your local restaurants. Support Double your check. local weed dealers. Apologies to Eddie Kingston. Nah, ain't no check for that. Boo the heels. <laughs> Boo, bitch. <laughs>